Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host for the day, Adam, and here with me to try and concisely and as best as we can decipher all of E3's going on in a con- format that will suit all of you people who have no time to sit and watch it all for days and days on end, uh, Mark and Nick. Hello, chaps. Hello. Hello. How the hell are you doing? I'm quite good, thanks. Uh, all E3'd out. Yeah. yeah. You do kind of start that, don't you? You're like, at the beginning, I'm going to watch everything and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to watch all of the GameSpot or the IGN like stage shows and then by the end you're like, I don't want to even look at video games again. Yeah. It's been so, a yeah. long week. It's been long. Yeah. It started even <laughs> earlier, which we're going to start off with because I guess now it's EA's, E3's becoming less of a thing. Some people are pulling out and having their own events and that all started on last Thursday, I believe, with Google Stadia coming out and doing their little presentation. Um, so stuff started to kind of leak beforehand around the pricing and uh, there was some stuff to do with Destiny too. Um, but yeah, basically it was a presentation on YouTube featuring uh, Phil Harrison in a huge white space <laughs> with lots of text. And something about the way it was filmed, that he's a tall man, but he looked about nine foot tall because of the way they uh, filmed that. It was almost like he was in the cloud and they were yeah. portraying him as God, like in Bruce Almighty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he came on, said, hey, we're here today, um, announce Google Stadia to the world. They kind of boast about how they want to make gaming accessible for everybody. Uh, ironically, at that point, the video started to buffer, <laughs> which was quite funny. Um, I only know it was like not on my end kind of so to speak because I was watching the giant bomb speaking over it and they were like what the hell why is it stopped so I knew it was them that like their stream coming in that had stopped um so they talked about how starting next year it's coming to desktops laptops tablets and pixel phones to start with uh, they said they what had the first wave of games to show off and they showed a trailer for uh, Baldur's Gate 3 it wasn't immediately obvious that's what it was until um, it had like this character that started to deform, and I guess that's something that happens in Baldur's Gate. Um, but it was noticeable that that effect was a bit quick. I think like it's a slower effect of nonsense that happens to people. Um, so that was the first thing they showed, and then they sort of got into a bit of the uh, weeds about it all, about telling you how fast an internet connection you need to get it going. So they are claiming for 4K HDR 60 frames a second and 5.1 surround sound, you only need a 35 megabit per second uh, line and then 10 megabytes per second if you want 720p 60 frames a second and stereo sound. Uh, So those sound pretty reasonable if you live in like a major city. Obviously, if you live in some parts of like rural England or rural America, or I understand Australia, like some of those internet speeds are just not possible. Um, so it's a bit of a bummer, but it's impressive mm. if that's what they can. Uh, he did. So Phil's, uh, Phil Harrison's kind of famous for the uh, PS2, uh, the PS3 unveiling where they made a whole bunch of like bullshit claims about the power of the cell and all this stuff. And then like the power of PlayStation Home. And it was at this point after they said about the speed where he came out with. Our data centers and infrastructure are so fast that it can stream faster than your eyes transmit data to your brain. <laughs> and I was just, but will it have Ridge Racer? Oh, I don't know. Possibly. If it's that, if it can give me Ridge Racer that quick, I'm in. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, super weird that they came out with that after the, you you feel like they are fighting against the gate a little bit, trying to be legitimate, and when they come out with crap like that, it's kind of hard to believe them. Um, I mean, from from what I have read and listened to podcasts about this week, uh, what they've been showing at E three is genuinely impressing a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Especially, I mean, we'll come on to it later, but they uh, xCloud were doing demos on the show floor at E3 this week and Stadia were. Mm-hmm. And from what I've heard, the more favourable things are from Stadia. Yep. Um, where they they were doing 1080p Doom Eternal, I think. Yeah, and uh, apparently it's and not even noticeably different to the console. Exactly, yeah. with the, um, the caveat being that it was etherneted in rather than Wi-Fi, uh, but the Chromecast Ultra that you get in the Founders Pack is Ethernet anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think you know, um, it maybe we're not in a good environment. We're maybe not too far away yeah. from what they're claiming. I think that, they're, from what I understand, their tech is really, really impressive. Um, <clears throat> not surprising, given who it is. Uh, the business model, though, does not sound particularly yeah, good. We'll no, we'll get there. Uh, so next up, they reiterate. I guess it kind of follows on from Nick's point about the text. So they reiterate the point about the controller. Uh, it's it links directly to your Wi-Fi. It doesn't have any lag by connecting to a device that's then connecting to the internet. Uh, they showed off some other games: Ghost Recon Breakpoint, a game called Guilt that kind of looks like a My First Silent Hill, uh, Get Packed that was like overcooked but with packing, and then Division Two. And then they got into the pricing, which is where... Mm. So a man called John Justice, which is a bloody amazing name, came out. And they oh. put his name in massive writing <laughs> on the screen. So if you ever doubted who he was, you got it there. Um, so this is where the weird thing is. They started a presentation, they're like, hey, it's about bringing games to everybody. They're like, there's a Stadia Pro subscription. It'll cost nine ninety nine. They were kind of vague around you'll get a selection of games, which they did bring out a list later on. I think it was of 30-odd games that are going to be on that service. But then the weird thing is, there's also a free tits, um, that where you can just use it and buy games and stuff. But no, that's not going to be available until next year. The only way you can get Stadia Pro this year is by buying a Chromecast Ultra that comes with a controller and stuff. Uh, the price they quoted in US dollars was $129. Um, so when you start to look at it, like that is value for money when you start to think how much a Chrome, like a Chromecast Ultra is like their highest end Chromecast. Controller $69 on its own. Plus they're throwing in three months of Stadia Pro, which is the subscription pack. And then along with that, they're also giving you a copy. It's called a Founders Edition, this thing's called. They're throwing in a copy, quote-unquote, of uh, Destiny 2 with the newest, uh, with everything unlocked. Interestingly, you can cross, you can copy your saves over from any platform you've previously played on. And it comes with everything and the new Shadow Keep um, DLC that's coming up for it. So, I guess, what do you guys think about it? I find it really weird that they started off saying, hey, it's accessible, but you've got to buy this thing first. I feel like the most accessible way to have it is here, just buy this controller and you can play it in Chrome. But for that to not be coming, and it's like, okay, is this like a proof of concept? Like they need to get it out there to get it running or... I think they need to do a wider beta test and they're kind of it's essentially a gated paid beta test isn't it they want to, they want to guarantee the hardware that these people are going to be running it on so they can they yeah. know that their stats are right before they release it to the wider public that's true um 
They've still not been very clear as far as I understand what games you're going to get on the Pro. Like, they quoted 30 games, but as far as I understand, you don't just get them for free with the subscription. Forever, yeah. They're just games that will be available to buy at launch. Right. Um, so at the moment, and you're really, Destiny. And Destiny is going free to play. Right. Um, so all you're getting is the Shadow Keep. So it's like the annual pass for 35 quid. So Oh, and, um, and Forsaken. And Forsaken, yeah. Uh, so you're getting like 35 pounds essentially um so i don't know it's it it's definitely for tech enthusiasts and people who want to try it out before everyone else but personally i think i'm gonna wait mm-hmm. i'm kind of the same like at first i was like cost of entry is not that expensive it's less than a console is gonna cost it would be like new shiny shiny but then i would rather test on a desktop first See how it feels, yeah. and if at some point I want to get a Chromecast to plug into another TV somewhere, then I can, but yeah. You kind of just want to try it yourself, don't you? Yeah. I mean, everyone's got a controller lying around, everyone's got a PC of some sort that runs Chrome. You just want to hop in, try it out for a month, see if it works, and if it does work, then maybe you'll think about buying the Stadia controller yeah. and the Chromecast Ultra. That's what's annoying. They did do that test with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but limited it just to the States, so it's like, why don't they yeah. release that for everybody or something? Just to get people talking about I think, it. I think they'll probably be forced to nearer the time, but at the moment it's not good. Mm-hmm. And Mark, you got any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, it's just a business model's a little bit weird. It's like having to pay a subscription fee and then also mm-hmm. buy the games on top of it. And the fact that you won't... The fact that you won't own them... Um, and I know that's a wider problem that's not just applying to Google Stadia. But well, it's kind uh, of thing like Destiny 2 is the perfect like, example, right? The day they decide to turn all that off, your mm. disk becomes worthless unless somebody's rebuilding like bootleg servers. So then what does sure. it matter whether I own a piece of plastic that's got data on it or not? But no, yeah. but like Doom, 20, yeah, Doom 2016. I totally get what you're um, I've, got, I've got that on disk. Uh, in 10... 20 years time I'll be able to stick that disc in my PS4 it'll try and tell me that it needs an update but then won't be able to download the update or whatever but I'll still be able to play it I mean um, I su- but that's, that's a wider problem than like mm-hmm. a Google Stadia thing yeah I mean the subscri- you talk about a subscription model but really is it any different from like PS Plus which although it isn't necessary I mean well it's not necessary to <clears throat> buy the Stadia Pro subscription to play Stadia yeah. Um, you just get some free games every now and then with it, just like you do PS Plus. And if you buy a game on yeah. the PlayStation Network, like I bought Destiny 2 and The Division 2 digitally, I don't own those. At some point, when many years from now, when the PlayStation Network goes down, I will lose access to those games. It, it's the same kind of thing, and it's it's the way gaming is heading. I think as long as there's always the option of buying it in uh, in a physical format for people that still want to. It's the same way music's gone, really. Mm. You can still buy a CD, but who does these days when Spotify is a thing and when Amazon Music and all these other things are a thing? No, I mean, it's something we can probably get onto a little bit more when we talk about Xbox, but like having uh, listened to uh, Phil Spencer on the giant bomb couch talking about how like their vision for xCloud and how it's like... Yes, being able to go away and stream your games onto uh, you know onto whatever device it is is great, but having that fallback of having a console, a proper console, running into your TV at home, 
um, with the games installed on a hard drive there mm-hmm. is like still like the most realistic option for the vast majority of people and also probably the best way to play those games. Yeah, which is exactly what I did with, for example, The Witcher 3. Um, I played probably 60-70% of that game on remote play somewhere else in the country while my <sighs> PS4 was plugged in to Hull in Hull and I was in London I have a distinct memory of being uh, in in a hotel room in London uh, for the uh, playoff semi-finals uh, playing The Witcher um, and that's how I played most of that game so I, I mean hmm. it, again it's this thing of Xbox is kind of catching up with that because PlayStation it's been a reality for a long time uh, and yeah. he said he, like you say I've watched the same uh, cast he, he very much said we're still catching up with PlayStation in this regard um, but yeah, then it's he, how he they said like something about like um, he, he doesn't want to blow the horn too much because PlayStation's had a lead um, uh, remote play for ages, yes. but, uh, but only for, for most of that, only if you had a PlayStation Vita. Um, well, there's a PC app for I'm it. I'm not sure. It's uh, yeah, but uh, the, the PC edition has only kind of been fairly recently. I mean, cross remote play onto PlayStation Vita was pretty much there from launch. Mm. It was there from launch, um, but the PC was for quite a while. I played The Witcher three years ago now, so it's been at least three years. Okay. Um, so it's it's been a while. Uh, there there was as well yeah. some guy that hacked it himself beforehand and sold it, um, but officially uh, it it came out about three years ago, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll okay. move on from that. We can. We'll probably touch on the streaming stuff a bit again later on. Um, so I guess, Mark, next mm-hmm. you want to talk about, it kind of follows on from Stadia. Um, Destiny 2, they revealed it's going free-to-play and stuff during Stadia, or alluded to it, but then I guess they had something else pre-pre-3 as well. Yeah, they talked, um, it was, so they had like a um, a stream, Vidoc sort of thing, where they talked about the new expansion, Shadowkeep, um, and the fact that there's a new big expansion for Destiny isn't really a big story. They tend to bring a big one out every year. Um, it's more just how that game is going and how it's evolving now that Bungie are an independent studio, essentially, out there without a publisher. At all. Have they ever been an independent studio before this? Yeah, like Marathon would have been self-published. Was Marathon independent? I thought that was, wasn't that published by Apple? I think it was just on Apple platforms. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, it's been a long time since they've been independent. Yeah, developed and published by Bungie. Oh, okay, cool. Well, fair enough. Um, but that's, you know, since Halo days forward, they've always had a publisher, first Microsoft and then Activision. Uh, and so uh, now they're able to develop Destiny in the way that they want without having a uh, the, the publisher telling them, dictating certain aspects of the business model or how often they need to release expansions or how, and the fact that it's pretty obvious that, and they, they kind of alluded to it without outright saying it on the, the Vidoc uh, about how, the fact that there there was a Destiny 2 rather than further expansions to Destiny was an Activision thing. And I think they would have rather had a more traditional MMO sort of business model where you have the game and then you have expansions that expand like upon that game. Warframe, perhaps, is a good analogy. So they've been knocking yeah, out the park like for Warframe, years, the same model. Yeah, um, Final Fantasy XIV, World of Warcraft, so on and so forth. Now, um, 
they've bandied around words like MMO shooter before, but it's never really been that. It's been a shared world shooter with some RPG elements, but now they're making a lot of noises about leaning heavily into the RPG side of that. Um, massive up, uh, changes on how armor works, like choosing the stats um, that you apply to armor to have very specific builds and things like this. The, the nitty-gritty min-maxing sort of thing that I like can really sink my teeth into. Um, but it's just a business model as a whole is changing completely. So like they, they talked about on Stadia and then they um, spoke about a little bit more about uh, on the Vidoc is that from uh, is it September this year? I think I think it's from when Shadowkeep comes out. The game will the base game of Destiny Two. Um, so that's the entirety of the year one. Um, well, it's not even the base game. It's the entirety of year one Destiny Two. So they're they're, they're recreating like the first mission for new players, recreating the first mission from the first Destiny, and then when you get to the tower, Destiny Two will begin. And you'll have all of the the Red War campaign from the base Destiny 2 game, the um, Curse of Osiris, and the um, Warmind DLCs from Year 1 of Destiny 2 will all be free. Uh, and then there'll be like all the open world activities and things that you can that you'll be able to do play with other people who've got the other expansions. You might not have access to all the areas that they've got, like the moon is being added in with this new DLC, but you probably won't have access to that if you just got the base version of it. But they're just making it easier than ever to get into Destiny for people who perhaps haven't done so before. And one of the major things they're doing with that is the cross, um, cross-platform cross account, essentially. Well, kind of. So um, up until now, like if I say, if I wanted to play Destiny 2 uh, with you, Adam, uh, I would uh, have to purchase the game on Xbox One. But then I would also have to roll a new character from scratch and run all the way through the the the, mm-hmm. the base game and all the expansions and whatnot. Whereas now, like you pick, uh, how they they explain it would be is like you pick like a main account. If you've got say if you've got multiple, like you'd pick whichever was your main account, and then that one would be copied across to all other platforms. So you can just carry your save across between the two constantly. Like it goes the back and that, forth. It's not like a one time because like Warframe yeah. did that when Switch came out. No, so no, I no. Transferred my PC account over to my Switch, and it was done. That was it. It was linked. No, no. It's it's more like it's it's account bound. So like uh, like how mm-hmm. Dauntless works. Like uh, I can play Dauntless on uh, PS4. Yeah jump over onto Xbox One and it's it's carried across all of the progress and everything that I'd done on the X on the PS4. Even the Dauntless thing's kind of weird. It's even to the point like PS4 P, uh, PS plus exclusive weapon skins are visible on the Xbox One version of the game, which is really weird. But anyway, I'm digressing. Um yeah the only issue I've got with it is that it's not as open as I was hoping. So I'm going to get Shadowkeep on PS4. Uh, I've already got the the game on PS4. I've got the Forsaken expansion and what most of my friends play on PS4. And it's not yet cross-platform, although they've made noises about that. If I wanted to then play uh, with you, Adam, on uh, Xbox One, uh, I would have to... Uh, I have the base version of the game, but I would have to then purchase Forsaken and Shadowkeep again. So it's not so cross So I wonder if this... Is but like they've always said, like one of the biggest problems with cross stuff is the purchasing system and being able to like cross over licenses. So I wonder if 
this is part of the problem they kind of run into. Like their expansion structure is based on those separate add-on packs. And I wonder if this is ultimately what's going to kind mm-hmm. of force them to bring out another Destiny that somehow doesn't have that. Or it does, but it's more server-side. Like you're purchasing stuff within the game and it's all staying there. Or... Yeah. Well, I mean, it it works at the moment with like uh, free to play games like Fortnite, uh, Dauntless, other games that are that are cross platform uh, at the moment. If I, things that I cosmetics and things that I purchase on one platform are still visible on the other platform, so it's still to the point where like if I want if I was to buy all of my Fortnite skins on PS4 mm-hmm. and then use them on the Nintendo Switch or the Xbox One, Sony is who's got a cut yeah. of that money, not Microsoft or Nintendo. So it's already companies have managed to negotiate their way around that issue. Um, Bungie you apparently haven't, or maybe it's not something they looked at yet. I don't know, but it's, the business model is heading in the right direction. It's just not quite where I'd like it to be yet. I would like it to be in a, in a the situation how it is with like Fortnite or Dauntless or games like that, where. I can seamlessly jump between playing this game. Well, I'd, uh, the ideal situation would be I'd be able to play on my PlayStation with you on your Xbox. Which that would be a perfect situation. That's what you, which is possible. That's what's it? Dauntless is doing, um, right? Out of the box. Dauntless is doing it. Fortnite's doing it. Um, f- you know, fair few games are doing it now. Um, that That's the ideal situation, and maybe it's something that, that Bungie could do in the future. Uh, they'd have problems with, the PvP side between consoles and PC because the PC version runs at 60 and the consoles ones don't, and also the keyboard and mouse thing, whatnot. But you, you, that would be the ideal situation. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's still early days. They haven't that long been an independent studio um, and they're moving in the right direction and I'm, I'm excited about how they're how they're changing the game in the way that they want to, not how is being... It, well, I mean, they've always worked. They've always made the game that they've wanted to make, but there have always been aspects that have been dictated to them because they're running under a publisher, and now they don't have that. They've got complete freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the changes have already been quite apparent. Uh, the latest season in the game, the season of opulence, has brought with it a massive overhaul of the cosmetics store, the Eververse. So now. Whereas before, lots of things could be earned. Um, now, most of the stuff you see on the store from this season is only purchasable with um, the premium currency, which you can't earn. Which is kind of sucky, but it's just cosmetic stuff, so whatever. But anyway, yeah. Um, the Destiny thing is interesting um, for me. Uh, I mean, it doesn't. I know Destiny isn't quite in the. Uh, uh, in the forefront of, of, of the, the gaming hive mind's mind or whatever at the moment. It's not as big. It doesn't seem as big as it was. I don't know what the player base is like, whether it's whether it's dropped off much, but it's still got a very dedicated following, of which mm-hmm. I'm one. Anyway, should we talk about actually three? Well, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> oh, so, shit, yeah. Ron, <laughs> what this would be like? Day negative one or something ea play was on the saturday um yeah so they didn't go with a press conference they went with their ea play event again which is kind of like hey let's pull these consoles out in the sun and get people to play them but we'll kind of do some presentations about stuff as well um so we're not going to go over everything because i feel like there was some stuff that i don't know 
kind of missed over. And like I said, we're going to try and fit as much in as we can. Um, so the first thing they showed off, though, was Star Wars Fallen Order. Um, so it's a game mm. set after uh, Revenge of the Sith, but before Star Wars A New Hope, set with a... Um, before Rogue oh, before One. Before Rogue One as well, actually, yeah. Um, mm. always, well, that's basically the same timeline, right? Because Rogue One's like ends at the same time as... Anyway, um, so you play a Jedi who's kind of um, a young man whose training has kind of been cut short as a result of Order 66, and you're now trying to get by... Execute Order 66. <laughs> <That's okay>. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize Palpatine was here. Um, so yeah, um, it's an action game. It was notable by the fact that it has Forrest Whitaker's character from Rogue One. Um and what looks super interesting to me for this is it looks extremely grounded. Um, it, there's no stupid force powers that Force Unleashed kind of had. It seems to be, it has almost Dark Soulsy combat, which I prefer. When you think of the lightsaber battles in the original Star Wars trilogy, they were slower paced. There, weren't any, there wasn't any wires flinging everyone around, throwing lightsabers all over the place. I feel like this is kind of that. I've seen a couple of developers' interviews and they've said that part of their guidance from Lucasfilm is really about you're not breaking any rules about what the Force can do. You're only doing stuff that's been seen in the movies. Um, so I think it looks amazing. I pick it up. It looks like a good mix of Uncharted with Star Wars. Um, yeah. Well, I I was um, I was already interested in this massive Star Wars nerd anyway and i and i love respawn i they haven't made a bad game yet um but then i heard uh austin walker over mm-hmm. at waypoint talking about it and he started to describe the combat and he was basically saying like if you've played sekiro then you know what this oh, combat's okay. going to be like like it was almost uh, the button layouts and everything were very similar like the uh, the enemies had a uh, instead of like a posture meter like they're doing Sekiro, they have like a stamina meter, and so as you are engaging in combat with them, you're wearing down their stamina to the point that you can execute oh, yeah. them with a killing move or sort of thing. And so yeah, the combat's very very slow, very deliberate. There's yeah, no silly hate, yeah. prequel yeah. era pirouettes and spinning lightsabers all over the place it's like the proper lightsaber fights from the original films where it's like where there's a there's a weight to it yeah um and uh yeah the the the, you there's um it's like a there's parrying and 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 uh, all the the stuff that you would associate with have either of you played sekiro no okay but it's it's Sekiro is a very deliberate sword fighting game. Everything in it is incredibly deliberate and precise, uh, and it sounds like this is kind of similar to that. Not to the nowhere near to the same sort of level. It's it's not like from software levels of punishing, but it's gonna it might um might cause a, a few people who are slightly more I don't want to say casual gamer, but like the more mainstream audience some problems because by the sound of it, it's it's harder than the average game. Um, not from hard, but yeah, possibly. Don't know. Uh, the other thing is that it's like, um, kind of like almost Metroidvania in a way. In well, actually, in a kind of in the same in a similar sort of way to how a From Software game can be. Sometimes it's like 
maybe like in a from game looks like a big interconnected world and like you get uh, you don't get abilities but you get equipment which unlocks shortcuts and things like that and he said that like as they were, the developers are explaining as you go through the worlds because you go to different planets there'll be like areas mm-hmm. that you can't get to but then later on you can go back and access those areas and so on so it's not like a straightforward linear story there is backtracking and sidetracking and just sounds rad and it looks yeah. so good yeah and, it's uh, a cool droid like they had to kind of, if they wanted to have a droid they kind of had to do something different and having like this little <laughs> yeah like, backpack droid still looks cutesy and stuff it's definitely a good direction to go in um so we also had at ea play we had fifa 20 now i haven't played a lot of fifa 19 i've kind of ducked out of it a little bit i got a decent card in a pack in the ultimate team and spent all the points from selling that card and it kind of killed that mode a little bit for me and i'm still yet to play the journey the concluding chapter of the journey trilogy because i want to stream it so i was like i ain't gonna buy fifa 20 but then they came out with uh, fifa street mode that's called volta that looks bloody amazing the the mars volta (laughs) yeah sure um so you get to play as cedric yeah Maybe. Well, you could Sorry, customize that's, your. That's a very... You could customize your character to look like however you want. You can play as whoever you want. I'm making Cedric. There you go. Do it. Um, so it looks super cool. They brought back FIFA Street. Um, that's kind of where their story-driven mode lays. You create a character going around the world, playing in all these cool. Uh, they describe it as like cage football. They had a pretty cool video where they went with uh, Rio Ferdinand and some pro FIFA player, and they're talking to Rio Ferdinand about how he grew up playing street football and stuff. Um, so yeah and then they've talked about it's weird they've gone back and changed some things so free kicks are back to it's weird how they try and sell stuff as if it's a new feature Um, as someone that's been playing football games for a long time and still collects them as a thing now they've gone back to using a target on screen for free kicks they did that years ago and it was terrible then but I get what they're trying they were saying they're trying to give a level of uh, like an entry level for free kicks because they've become so specialised in the newer games that they're near on impossible to score from unless you know what the hell you're doing so i get that so they're trying to make it more accessible it's got all the same jazz that we've come to expect more licenses everything like that they didn't mention anything about any of these new law changes affecting fifa ultimate team yet so cool for people and we'll see where it lies like there was a lot of the fifa 19 community wasn't happy about how things shaped, shifted out with the engine being too free form and people not liking it uh did anybody see any of the sims 4 stuff there's a new expansion uh, something about an island that's about all i know all right, how many expansions are there for that a lot else? i mean my, my other half really likes the sims uh and they've they've got yeah, a uh sale on at the moment for all the expansions and they've got a difference between expansions and packs isn't there so, like, the Cats and Dogs mm-hmm. is an expansion, for example, where you, and then you can just get fashion packs and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the list of well, them Ikea. is just endless. There's hundreds. Okay, mm. well, if you're into that, go check out the island. <laughs> um, it's the Love <laughs> Island. The other thing I've got on here is... <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing I've got on here is Apex Legends. So they... Um, there's an event going. There was a double XP weekend last weekend, and now there's an event going on where you can get, kind of get legendary 
tiers in the battle pass and fighting elite battles where if you finish in the top five so many times or win so many games, you get to play against the best of the best. Uh, I did manage to get into those best of the best games and probably got slaughtered every single time. <laughs> so I kind of gave up on that and just went back to playing regular Apex. Uh, and then they revealed a new uh, legend, which they did in the similar way to how Overwatch had been showing off characters by doing a little video Mm. Shows the story of the character, kind of uh, talking about her father and his legacy. And the character's called Watson, and she's kind of like a techie character who can drop a grenade turret and kind of drop these like shield walls. Um, so it looks like a good like end of game character. Like you may be able to hunker down and really do well with Watson. Um, that was it. I think there was some Battlefield Five stuff as well, but I don't remember what any of it was. Mm. Um, they talked about Anthem. Oh, yeah, they briefly mentioned Anthem. Yeah, they're still working on Anthem. Yeah, I guess they or they came out relatively recently, didn't they, and said, we've abandoned our roadmap, we're working on it. Like, yeah. Please understand. I kind of well, they, they, haven't, they haven't abandoned it. They, they took all of the dates off the yeah, roadmap. Yeah, yeah, So they can fix the game. Yeah. Um, okay. So, still not E3 proper, so we're uh, E3 days negative zero or whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm. Uh, Microsoft in their lovely swanky theatre kicked things off. Um, they came out pretty bullish saying we've got 14 first party titles we're going to show you on stage. But all this, uh, I tried to count them and lost count somewhere along the line. It's hard when you know they're counting sizzle reels and stuff. Uh, the first thing we have on our list here is the Outer Worlds, which oh, is yes. Obsidian. So it's mm. important to note this was in development before last year when Microsoft bought um, Obsidian, so you will be able to buy it on, play it on PlayStation, but if you get it on Xbox, it'll uh, be on Game Pass day one, which kind of shook, took people by surprise because they were assuming it wouldn't necessarily be Microsoft published or whatever, but I guess they decided, hey, we'll figure it out because it's getting uh, 2K are publishing it. Um, but yeah, this mm. looks like everything you loved about Fallout Vegas, but in space. Uh, it looks amazing. It's probably going to be... I get the feeling it's going to be smaller. Um, like, But then I don't think that's a bad thing. Like a more concise... No, like give me a 20-hour um, Fallout type. Yeah, they came out and said as much. Like they said like the, the, you know, the game will have plenty of... They said like the game's going to have plenty of content, but it's not going to be so long that you'll never yeah. finish it. Like the and crux I don't of what think they that's said. a bad thing because Fallout Vegas, I played it on PS3, and as you got further into that game and had more and more save files, um, the game started to like grind to a halt. Like it took forever to load, just like everything mm-hmm. perpetuating on itself. It couldn't keep up. Um, mm. So yeah, super. Go check out the uh, trailers for that one. Next thing I have on the list, and this is something that leaked, I guess, a couple of days before, is Bleeding Edge which is Ninja Theory's game, which kind of looks like a melee like hero game. It's, like it's a four-on-four. Four. It's like Overwatch meets Devil May Cry almost. Yeah. Very... Um, it didn't quite hit for me. I was just a no. bit... The trailer wasn't very good, I don't think. I think it would have been a lot better if they'd have just had some gameplay, maybe four people yeah. actually playing it, whereas they had uh, a trailer trying to introduce all the characters and stuff, but yeah. you didn't really care because you were still trying yeah. to figure out what the game was. Yeah, um, I think that would have been a, it. Would have been better if they'd have shown off gameplay and then maybe did some little character features, like in like three months' time or something, and just throw them on the YouTube channel rather than exactly. 
which yeah. is what like League of Legends used to do so well with the character reveals. The you did the whole YouTube CGI trailers and stuff. They they oh, did that okay. really well, and Overwatch do that now, don't they? They have like stories yeah. behind the characters. Yeah. Team Fortress Two, any character driven game does it really well, and this didn't seem to, which is kind of worrying for them. Yeah. The only uh, thing I will say in its favour is that they point out actually in the trailer that it's being led by the um, the combat director from mm. DMC, which is a bloody amazing uh, and game. The, it's such a good game, uh, and the combat in that game was tight. Um, a lot of people comparing this to um, a game called Anarchy yeah, Reigns. Do no. you play it? No, me neither. But uh, it. It's another, you know, hero-based multiplayer game, but it, the fact that it's melee rather than a shooter is interesting. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Ninja Theory tend to make interesting games. Yeah. So uh, next we have Minecraft Dungeons, which looks like a Diablo-based, like top-down dungeon crawler thing, but in the Minecraft world, it looks super fun. It's coming out on everything, not mm-hmm. just Xbox. I hope you can um, build your own dungeons. I imagine there'd have to be something or some kind of... Or using loot to build your own villages or something. Or, yeah, there's got to be something in there that's building way. But it looks super cool. Fast-paced, it looks fun. absolutely amazing. I just, I just love how Minecraft went from being this kind of like sandbox, um, nice crafting world for kids... Or well, kids and adults, let's face it. But may, but then it caught, kind of caught onto kids, and now it's kind of those kids have grown up and gone to Fortnite. But now Minecraft comes out with a Diablo kind of clone, getting them into more kind of serious mm. games, and it just looks mm-hmm. so fun. And yeah, yeah I am I am all down for Minecraft Diablo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, super cool. Uh, mm. next... And it's coming to Switch as well. Yeah, it's coming mm. out on everything. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I guess following like how Minecraft's on everything, right? I think they're not stupid. They know they've got fans that aren't playing on their formats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, next up, and Nick, I know this one was <laughs> a bit of a gut. So this was pretty bad as well, though. So the game, it's a Blair Witch Project game made by uh, Blooper Team, which is really cool for them. The Layers of Fear games are really good, so it's great that they've been given like. Is a it actually license. by them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It had kind of hints of Lairs of Fear, but I wasn't quite sure if it was them or not. I got so, so excited (laughs) watching this because the the shot of the trailer was just some guy in the woods with a flashlight running towards a hut. And I was like... Is this an? Is this Alan Wake? Is this Alan Wake two? Like Alan it. Wake two. I, my best mate even messaged me saying, "Nick, Nick, are you watching E 3 And I was like, <laughs> and even like it had I a am. torchlight at some point, didn't it? it had like there was a it guy did. with a torch, and it was like it looked so the much other, like Alan Wake. I was like, and it has then to be. he got in the hut, and there was this voice that whispered something, and it was yeah. just like when his wife whispered, "Alan." And I was yeah. I was so down. And then there was some driving, and there was a driving scene in Alan Wake, and, yep. and then. It goes into the basement with a camcorder, and I was like, I know those hand marks from Blair Witch. It's almost like they've been influenced by Blair. Oh, it's a Blair Witch game. Oh. Yeah. But you know what? I'm still kind of down for that. I really like Blair Witch as a franchise. I didn't like the last film. Um, never but seen the f- any of them. Really? I, the no, first Blair never. Witch, I oh. really enjoyed. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of. It holds up as well. It does. I'm kind of interested as to how they'll make it into a game. Uh, Les of Fear Dev being behind it, I, I enjoyed that game as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on Game Pass apparently. Yeah. Um. So mm. I will be downloading that day one and giving it a try. 
That was the story of a lot of these games that Microsoft showed off. It was like launching on Game Pass. That was like... So uh, a while ago, I took advantage of a deal to get a year's worth of Game Pass for about 40 quid. Um, And they announced two games at um, at this conference that I was pretty much determined to get day one anyway so my game pass has paid for itself already because mm. i was going to get outer worlds and uh, yeah, wasteland exactly, 3 yeah. and now i don't have to pay for them yeah. so um it's worth no i guess you just remind me of something that isn't on this list uh they announced a deal where you can trial xbox ultimate for a dollar for a month for the first month. But the interesting thing about it is if you've already got Game Pass and Xbox Live, it kind of merges the two and stacks them out and spreads it out. Uh, you don't even need um, Game Pass. Oh, it's not even that. So it's just, it, it's, it's just, oh, just okay. need Xbox Live. Yeah, because... Yeah. Like, so uh, some people have taken advantage and bought, like, the maximum amount of, of Xbox Live they can, yeah. which I think is, like, three years. It's 36 months, and then, yeah. and, then, uh, and then paid a pound. Yeah. And then it's and pushed got, it, and then it kind of got Game Pass Ultimate, yeah, for that period. So like, you pay for your Xbox Live however long it is. I mean, that's that's not a, for, for the maximum. It's not a small amount of money, but then you've got Game Pass on PC and uh, Xbox One for like years. Yeah, mine did something so. weird, which I've read other people. If you do have both, it kind of adds the two months together and then extends your Xbox Live. So mine was actually due to expire, like. Uh, late this year, but now it doesn't expire until like the middle of next year or something. Huh. And all I did is paid a dollar, and then I know in like a year's time or whatever, I'm gonna have to pay sixteen ninety nine or whatever it is a month. Ooh. Anyway, next thing up, <laughs> gotta be the best moment of the show. So the best moment, uh, one of, of the three. <laughs> Let's face um, it. Well, I, I, there's one more, mo- one other moment that I preferred, but but like the, probably the most like so, what the fuck moment. We've got Cyberpunk. They show an extensive like kind of gameplay ish like trailer bit, kind of explain a bit more about your character. How your character's being kind of forced into taking some uh, like whatever they call them in this like augmentative technology into his body without mm-hmm. wanting to. <laughs> um, and then the trailer kind of finished. Someone comes out, and then they show another little bit of the trailer. And a fucking door busts open and Keanu Reeves comes out of it. And then they cut back to the stage and the stage like opens up and Keanu Reeves comes out. No, it was it was um in the trailer it was like that your was character it. gets yeah. shot in the well the, the character gets shot yeah. in the head and then wakes up in like a like a like a yeah. scrapyard or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the character's like get the fuck up, it's it's time to we've got a city to burn or something like that. And then it's like cyberpunk Keanu Reeves with yeah. Elvis sunglasses and a mechanical arm. Yeah. arm. And then he comes out on stage. <laughs> Somebody yelled at him, you're breathtaking. <laughs> Which was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he just stole the show. He had so much energy. You could tell. Yeah. It's not like back in the day where bloody Beatles rock band came and they wheeled out Paul McCartney for a bit of money and stuff or things like that. Like he wanted to be there. Or uh, Jose Mourinho on the EA stage the other yeah, year. Yeah, on the EA one where he was doing Eesh, fake bands yikes. on stage, yep. Um, or like when Pele came out once oh. and was like, yeah, And they sat him down on the stage is- and talked to him for like what felt yeah. like an eternity. About how beautiful football yeah, is. And yeah, and it just killed all the momentum in that, was, in that uh, press. But yeah. Like, um, yeah. Keanu Reeves, yeah. though, so good. So, so good. Yeah. Everybody loves so Keanu. Good. He was just up there. He stole the show. And then uh, 
it was, I guess, I don't actually know. What's the original version of where he goes, he was like, and this, and points to the screen? Because that's become a meme where people... Oh, that was, was that, the um, that was the release date when they announced yeah, the release date, okay. yeah. Uh, which is next year. April. Early next year, April. April 20th, 6th or something like that. I don't know. It's April next year, which is way sooner than I thought it would be. Yeah. I thought it was going to be it was like a cross-gen title. Yeah, likewise. I thought it would be like holiday next year, available on this gen and next gen. But like yeah. April, that's that's nuts. Yeah, insane. So that was brilliant. Uh, the next one for me, not so brilliant. Uh, Battletoads. Oh no! Before that, there was like a little indie game um, that they showed. I can't remember what it was called. Sail I really liked the art something style. About sailing, sailfare. Yeah, something like that. You didn't get to see much of what the game was, but I really dug. I really dug the art style. Um, so, yeah. I think this was also where the indie, indie sizzle reel was, where the traditional E3 indie montage. Oh, the idea at Xbox that was that was a little bit later because they had this and then they had the Battletoads thing and somebody on Twitter, I think it was, was describing like uh, they likened what Battletoads looks like to. Do you remember on like live and kicking back in the day? <laughs> um, yeah, we had those games where you could like phone in and play a left, oh, left by yes. shouting I commands. I was on one of them once. Uh, yeah, and they looked the, the the graphics looked about as good as that. There was there was one with a worm where you were moving a worm around a maze, and I called in and I didn't do very well. I didn't win anything. Oh, man. I remember some yeah, someone someone um, a podcast I listened to likened it to. A game that even Devolver would pass on. Uh, yeah. It just, yeah. It doesn't look good. Uh, and from what I've heard, it doesn't play great either. It has all of the uh, trappings of the arcade genre. Uh, so it's it's on like the 3D plane where you move up, you move left and right, and then you can move up on the 3D plane. But it's ki- apparently it's kind of hard to tell which plane you're on, which was always the problem with arcade games, and to line up with your this attacks. This whole like... The whole Battletoads thing, like, nostalgia for it just baffles me. Like, as far as I understand, nobody actually has any nostalgia for Battletoads. It's because... It was... The only reason people remembered it is because of a repeated joke from 4chan where people would phone up their local GameStop and ask for Battletoads. Pretty much. When it didn't exist. I blame Phil Spencer. It's all his fault. Yeah. He wore that Battletoads t-shirt last year and ruined everything. God damn it. Yeah, um, we got a new games coming to Game Pass thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming. So uh, many Borderlands games. Handsome collection, Hollow Knight, Batman Arkham Knight. Oh, yeah, they're, they're already there. Knight. Like, um, um, yeah, they were there beforehand. I guess people yeah. were going through finding stuff and being like, "Oh, that's on there. That's on there." I, I'm um, one that I have, I've kind of went barely scratched the surface oh, of the last two games added on, and then suddenly I went <laughs> and I was like, "What? I can't keep up with this." <laughs> Well, it's like for me, I'm still playing Outer Wilds and Void. Yeah, Masters. those are the two I'm still like playing, and, and like I've barely touched Outer Wilds because I got distracted playing other mm-hmm. stuff, and I want to give it the time it's due. And like, it's like great. Now I got to play Hollow Knight. Yeah, um, one that kind of slipped us all a little bit because it was in as part of the PC Game Pass announcement is that Metro Exodus is available. Yeah, yep. which is also insane. Um, yeah. The game I didn't plan on playing for ages because I still got to go back and I want to go back and play those remasters of the other two mm-hmm. Metro games. Uh, but yeah, amazing stuff. Also, Game Pass coming to PC. Uh, I did download Age of Empires this, remaster. Yeah, as part of that, that's mental. And it's yeah. not just a remaster either, so is it? It's, uh, they said it's the definitive edition with a whole new campaign. 
Yeah. So which is crazy. Amazing. But it's only on PC. Like um so it's four K though. For now. That's yeah. yeah, but that you kind of understand that. Like I know you can play and play RTS games on a console, but it's you need a keyboard and mouse to play. The Xbox uh, has a USB port. But I am a, <laughs> it does, but yeah. you know Um but it, Age of Empires is the sort of game that even in, in a like remastered version would probably run on even the crappiest of laptop. So, mm-hmm. you don't know. It's crazy yeah. between that, right, and them being like, hey, we've got a new flight simulator. It's like oh, they yes. remembered, like, oh, we made PC games in the 90s and they were pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we should make some of those again. Flight Simulator is coming to the Xbox as yeah. well, which was a bit like, holy... Okay. And it's like using um, 4K satellite imaging and uh, the Azure cloud thing to, like, as far as I understand, stream the um, the data in and out, of the, rather than you having to, like, like have on your Xbox, like, all of the texture packs for however much of the Earth is represented in Flight Simulator. It'll stream that stuff mm-hmm. in and out. Uh, from Azure, and it looked absolutely stunning. Yeah, it looked incredible. Yeah, when yeah. you were flying over some cities, it was like wow. Um, and I love me some flight simulator. Next up, we have the fact that Double Fine is no longer independent; is now a Microsoft Studio. Mm. Uh, um, that was unusual, right? Because yeah, um, Tim Schafer's always been kind of well, at least since he moved away from the publisher system been fiercely independent and very critical of working under publishers yeah. and mm. so I, I wonder if it's a case though of them literally saying hey just keep doing what you're doing all your games are going to come on game pass and we'll just push them on there when you get them done <laughs> but i liked when he came out and he said like yeah we'll make anything you want we'll we'll make we'll make uh do an excel uh, we'll, yeah we'll we'll make fours we'll make gears we'll make excel and he's like no you just make the sort of games you want he's like oh phew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, next thing we have on our list is uh, 12 Minutes, which was kind of a top-down, I guess, drama game where, similar to Outer Wilds, you're kind of stuck in a 12-minute time loop. Your uh, wife, you start with like your wife arguing and somebody's died or something, and then the cops are coming to try and find out what's happened. And it was super interesting because the whole thing was top-down. Mm-hmm. Um, super interesting presentation, and they kind of showed you different ways that the story can play out yeah it's like the latest in a series of sort of groundhog day type games it just looks Mm -hmm. really interesting to have for some reason yeah yeah Um, oh you mean uh, edge of tomorrow type games (laughs) sure if you want to be more modern with your references (laughs) edge of tomorrow was a good film oh i like edge of tomorrow yeah yeah uh next up we have gears five uh, this was really weird because they came out, showed some CGI, and they had some wrestlers like locked in a basement. That yeah. was underneath, I guess it was underneath the stage where an orchestra would usually be. They were in like this weird Gears of War theme thing, just locked in there playing uh, a new escape mode that they've kind of brought out, mm. which to me just looks like another refinement of Horde mode. I didn't get what the big deal was. I've seen, a, I've watched a few other videos around. I'm still not kind of sure. But I'm in, I'm looking forward to Gears because I do feel like it's the premium cover shooter out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do anything new and different no. and exciting, but I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And the last one ended on a pretty cool cliffhanger, so I want to know where that's going. Mm. Uh, this was the only moment that got my wife interested at all 
because she heard everything is awesome from the Lego. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was wow. the same for me as well. Um, she was like, well, I know that she just perked up and she was like, I know this song. <laughs> um, so they have brought out Forza Horizon. Uh, it's called Speed Champions and it's a Lego crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can find it on the internet, Giant Bomb had one of the lead developers from um, the team there on their live streams at night and it was super interesting. So in their normal process, they would go and like spend days at a car. They'd fly out or they'd even get cars shipped to them to like sit and take them apart and look at everything so that they could recapture it. And this, they just got mailed like the Lego sets and then recreate them in that. But what's super interesting, they were saying like for some of the clear spots, they replicated like the serial numbers and stuff. And if there were any fingerprints on any of the parts, they replicated them in the game. So the cars have got fingerprints on them. It's one of the things that I know um, Um, the Lego movie itself did. They added fingerprints to them to make it more like um, stop motion, like Wallace and Gromit Ardman type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my yeah. this is going to be strange, but my dad's already bought it because he's such a big Forza Horizon fan, and he says it's very fun right. to bump into Lego and see it break apart. That's his review. Yeah. So, so you there you do. go. If 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 you want a game, that's my dad's recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> that game was already cool when you were busting into it. Was wasn't it? Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Right? So, so like, I get it. Like, if you want to bust Lego, your dad's spot on. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Next on our list, we have uh, Elden Ring, another thing that kind of result of the Namco Bandai um, leak that kind of happened earlier in the week. So this is the yeah. George R. R. Martin and FromSoft and, uh, crossover. Yeah. Kind of, he evoked a lot of like Lord of the Rings. There was like a man with an anvil smashing some stuff and like a moody voiceover. Making a ring. Um, Probably yeah, will rule a lot of people, I'm guessing. Yeah. Maybe control them, <laughs> bind them in the yeah, darkness, yeah, maybe. Well, George R. R. Martin made no bones about the fact that he's a massive Tolkien fanboy. Yeah. And, and I would not be surprised if uh, if uh, Miyazaki is as well. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's writing fantasy these days who isn't a massive Tolkien fan. Yeah, just... what are you making that's unique? <laughs> yeah. Um... There's been there wasn't any gameplay shown, but there's been some rumors that it's gonna add, add like horse travel in a slightly more expansive world than we're used mm-hmm. to from Dark Souls games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing we kind of have on our list is the whole hey, this is Project Scarlet and what is coming. Um, mm-hmm. Nick wrote on our notes they came, but in a non-committal way about what it is. I'm gonna yeah. I get away. Explain where you're coming from, but I have kind of a counter argument to that. I think so. Essentially, um, all they really did was get a load of developers to sit in darkened rooms and talk about what they think is the future of gaming in the next couple of years, which is exactly what they did with Project Scorpio, which is now the yep. Xbox yep. One X. It was the exact same trailer, beat for beat, but replaced 4K with 8K and 60 FPS with 120 FPS. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing, essentially. And I don't really understand... Um, even down to the, the fact that like, got, like the guy who on the, the, the Scorpio video was like, it's a monster. They had him on at the end of the Scarlet trailer to say, it eats monsters <laughs> for breakfast. Exactly, yeah. It's like... I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to come out and be all ballsy about it and say, well, we're going to have an amazing console. Which, in fairness, Xbox One X, at the moment, the most powerful console because it launched the last. Whoever launches the last console is going to have the most powerful one. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially. 
But what what I don't understand is the One X hasn't really revolutionised anything. It hasn't changed anything, much like the Pro didn't change anything. And I don't see how just bumping up graphics is going to change anything in gaming. I think I'm getting much more excited about what they're doing with Game Pass than I do with 8K and 120 FPS because, frankly, I've only just got a 4K TV. And that is quite the fidelity I need at the moment. No, the the thing that uh, interests me most about this, and it's the stuff that they that Sony went into a little bit more when they spoke to was it Engadget or whoever they did the interview with someone weird Wired, yeah, oh uh, yeah, Wired a few weeks ago, Um, which is to be honest is a better way to approach this than having a video on a conference, like just give an interview to a tech magazine or whatever. But either way, like the, 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 they're going on about like, yeah, it's four times more powerful than the Xbox one X or do up to eight K 120 frames a second. I was like, yeah, whatever. The interesting stuff is what they're doing with the SSDs. And I imagine that Microsoft will do a similar sort of thing to what Sony talking about, which is to have like a big fuck off hard drive for actually storing the stuff. And then a fast SSD or uh, some sort of solid state drive, that will um, that will be running the software that you're playing mm-hmm. at that moment to get rid of yep. load times. Yep. That's the thing that they're, they're both talking about. Like we want well. to eliminate load times. Yeah, and lose, you, that's the stuff that's interesting. Not the not the like because but like how many people are that impressed? Do you reckon with the jump from 1080p to 4k? Wow. And how many people will be that impressed with the jump from 4K to 8K because That's it's diminishing why I returns? Think they kind of address it this way. This is where my counterpoint is, I guess. Um, Phil Spencer seems to go to great lengths to be like a man of the people and being like, hey, we're bringing mm-hmm. gaming to you. So I think this kind of hype sizzle reel is their way of promoting it versus Sony, who let Mark, who have kind of since PS4 let Mark Cerny live that and just throw specs at you. And kind of the wired thing does that. Similar to, and then I, mm-hmm. I would bet money on Microsoft following the same strategy as last time. They will probably go to Digital Foundry again because they're, com- they're through Eurogamer have kind of made techie stuff approachable mm-hmm. and they'll let them test it again, just like they did with the One X and do like a little expose again. Yeah. Um, so I just, I personally think that them doing this hype sizzle reel of talking heads is a way for them to just engage people. And in the context of a press conference, I think that makes more sense than throwing stats at people about specs. See, they- I... Mm-hmm. Personally, I would rather they just didn't say anything. They just say, sure. we know you're all excited for the next generation and we can't wait to tell you about it next year. Uh, and just that, then that builds hype and that builds tension and what are they going to do? So I, th- I think their hand was, I think Sony almost pushed their hand. They had to yeah. talk something because Sony had already talked specs. Yeah. Like if Sony so they had to come, give, yeah. show something. If Sony hadn't come out two and weeks I think, ago and said anything, you're right, they may not have Exactly. It. I, I, I think Sony almost got um, wind that Microsoft, what, what Microsoft were planning and wanted to get there before E3. Yeah. So they did so. So then Microsoft had to react What's interesting is um, Phil Spencer on the um, Giant Bomb couch. That sounds like too much like casting couch. Uh, on the Giant Bomb couch, uh, said that uh, <laughs> said that now really specs they're essentially the same machines. They're both AMD. They're all going to use the same kind of uh, hard drives. They're all going to use the same kind of processors and graphics cards. The only real difference is what price point they're going to put it at, and that's what they're holding close to the chest. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, both both of them. Exactly. Yeah. So which one is going to be cheaper this time around? Obviously, if you look back at the 360 PS3, Sony massively overpriced the PS3, yeah. and that led to them failing in invert in quotes. Oh God! Do you remember the you should get a second job? Oh God! Thing. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a good time for Sony. That was it. And I'd kind of fear they're going no. that way again. I mean. Uh, Xbox is definitely coming out with the most interesting things at the moment, but it's because they need to. Um, yeah, yeah, like they're, they're doing that's well. Why, that, that's why Game Pass exists. Yeah, because they're, you know, they were behind in this. And this it's why Game Pass exists. It represents and their why, shift, doesn't it, towards services though that Microsoft in general have been making. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but like. Sony have got everything in place to do that as well. I obviously they can't do the backwards compatibility stuff in the PS3 because of that shit show of a processor that was on that console. But they now, you know, they've got this deal with Microsoft to abuse their Azure cloud computing servers and, and whatnot. And they've already got um PlayStation Now, whatever it is. Which apparently, despite me not knowing anyone who uses it, is massively popular, mm-hmm. apparently. Mm. Like, loads of people use it. I don't know any of them, but, um, like, they can pivot to the same, to, to offer a similar sort of service to Game Pass if they wanted to. It's just at the moment they don't need to. Like, Microsoft, when they bring out a new exclusive, needs to put the, the put it straight on Game Pass because it'll help push people towards their platform. Whereas Sony are selling copies of an average exclusive like Days Gone, hand over fist, just because there's a huge install base. They don't need to offer mm-hmm. this at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I do worry that they will rest on their laurels too much. Again. Again, <laughs> yeah. The same as Microsoft did at the end of the 360 generation. Exactly. History repeats history. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they talked about that stuff. They showed off xCloud kind of and... They, it's another one. They're going to share more details. They did talk about how there's going to be kind of two X Cloud stuff. So we talked about it before how an Xbox console will be able to be your own like server, they're calling it. Um, so you can stream games to whatever device when you're out of the house. They've talked about the fact that you may be able to like lease out your console to other people to play games, which was super interesting. And then they also talked about how part of X Cloud, there will be a service where you don't need to own any consoles and you're just renting essentially a blade from them on their servers exactly the same how stadia is so they truly and they've talked about how there'll always be core people who want to have that the best box under their tv that's what scarlet's for but then also there's going to be the same games are going to be on pc for people that want to go that route and the same games will be on x cloud um again giant bomb couch they did talk about the fact about how and he was a little bit coy about it the next game we're going to talk about Halo Infinite, they did kind of say to him, okay, so am I buying a Scarlet version of Halo Infinite or an Xbox One version? And they kind of talked about, well, we've always committed to when you buy one version, I'm not charging you for that upgrade. Look at all the games that have become Xbox One enhanced. So it's just, again, more they want everyone to play everything on their services some way or other and they don't care how you do it. Next game mm. then, last thing they had was Halo Infinite. Um... Uh, and what's weird is 
the teaser trailer they had last year kind of showed off this big, cool world, made you think amazing. And then you've got a very intimate uh, Master Chief-focused uh, teaser. Well, there was another character kind of activating Master Chief. Yeah, and still no gameplay. And still no gameplay, really. I mean, you got a brief little look at like a first-person view that could be like a target render of what it's... But yeah, nothing. And then you saw a Halo ring that was busted up. Mm-hmm. That was it. Do you know what would have, in my opinion, would have been a much better ending to that conference? I'm maybe slightly biased here, but... Banjo-Kazooie. Fable 4 teaser. Oh, all right. Yeah. 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 So- Fable 4 teaser... We've already seen Halo. They just need to act. Phil Spencer just need to say we're still working on Halo, but in the meantime, here's another great game that's coming yeah. for Project Scarlet. And we're and all pretty sure it's Fable Four teaser. Uh, all yeah. they, all they would really need to do to to whip that crowd into a frenzy is just to show a title. Like they wouldn't have even have to yeah. show yeah. like a CG thing, you know, just show a title. So yeah, um, so that was a disappointing way to end it with nothing. Yeah, they would have been better. Brief gameplay demo of Halo Infinite earlier and. Uh, fable because we all know that's coming mm-hmm. it's been heavily rumored um so next up on the same day sunday night early monday morning for people in europe and england was bethesda uh, so they came out pretty frankly and said hey so fallout 76 sucked <laughs> um thanks for sticking with us mm-hmm. um so I've never talked about it actually because I wasn't on the podcast for a while. I got bought Fallout 76 for Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great, thanks. Not from my wife. Like she would have checked. Somebody, um, somebody else bought me it. Someone who's not a gamer? And, uh, moderate gamer. <laughs> like to the point where he knew what Fallout was. But no. when he knew what Fallout was, we're talking like top down Fallout. Oh, games. right, right. Did you mention once that you liked Fallout? So now it just keeps buying Probably. you Fallout. It's like when you mentioned your grand once that you like cheese and they just keep buying you cheese. Yeah, yeah. Or Snick- mine was Snickers. Endless oh. Snickers, which wasn't a bad no, thing, but all. still. Um, Another Snickers. So yeah, so I played the beginning of Fallout. Mm. And the problem is, it's, it feels great at the beginning. Until you start getting to like the second town and you realise, oh, this isn't like me building up to finding the rest of humanity. There's no humanity here. Um, so it's all <laughs> fed through like either terminals are driving quests or like robots and that's it. And the only other people you see are the humans. Um, so they've addressed that. There's free DLC, story DLC coming out that's going to include NPCs. So they're kind of making out like other vaults are opening, bandits are coming. Hey... We'll admit we fast up. It's all free. Fallout 76 at the time of recording is uh, currently free to play. As a, I think it's like a week and a half trial. Um, so you can try out. I completely see a future out of this game. But they do all this free DLC as an apology. And then I think mm-hmm. this game goes free to play. And then we have paid DLC and cosmetics or something. They've got- well, did you um, see on um, the GameSpot... Um- the the, the, the the you know the, the GameSpot live stream yeah. stuff. Um, he was basically saying that if they could do it again, he would um, basically they he would have like had weeks and weeks of twenty four hour beta testing rather than you know everyone can jump on for these select few hours a day here and there, uh, and they would have made it free to anyone who owned Fallout Four. Ooh. Which yeah. would have been a better, yeah. better yeah. model. I agree. So I wonder if that was publisher pressure or something. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's coming. 
Uh, next up, they showed um, more Blades stuff. So Elder Scrolls Blades is the mobile game. Uh, so they mm-hmm. showed that there's more content coming to that. And it's also coming to Switch. But apparently it's not. It's it's both not particularly good and also like the worst kind of free to play economy. Ooh, like it. it's pay to win. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. So that's whatever. I'm sure people on Switch will be happy because that other yeah. Elder Scrolls game sold like crazy. Yep. Um, I bought Skyrim on Switch despite owning it on three other platforms. <laughs> So, yeah, I I nearly rebought it, but I still have the enhanced version on Xbox that I've not touched, so I can't justify buying it again. Um, next up, Ghostwire Tokyo. Ah, um, oh, now this was my favourite moment of E3. Go on then, talk about it. So, Shinji Mikami, the legend that is Shinji Mikami, comes out and says, "Like we've got a new game, and here to introduce it is." Um, someone else who works at the studio and then uh, I think her name is Ikumi Nakamura um, who is now I'd never heard of her before um, but after like her appearance at E3 I had to look her up and she was the art director on Okami which is one of the like in terms of art direction one of the nicest looking games ever made in my opinion that's sort of like traditional Japanese paintbrush style watercolor style art uh, in Okami is incredible uh, she was also an art um, I don't know if she was an art director but she worked heavily of the art on uh, Bayonetta and then she worked under directly under Miyazaki on uh, The Evil Within and Evil Within 2 and she is um, seen as being Shinji Mikami's um, uh, protege uh, but yeah, she came out and like you know she apologized for the fact that she you know she doesn't speak English particularly well, but like she speaks English better than some of my <laughs> colleagues. So, uh, and she was just so enthusiastic and happy and and bouncy and just pleased to be there and excited about her game and the fact that they're getting to show the game off and like it. It sounds like an interesting concept. Like, um, the. For a good long while, like the most interesting horror games were coming out of Japan, and the Western stuff was kind of a bit meh. And then the West started to ape the stuff that Japan had been doing, and then the West were the ones who were like innovating on horror. But like Shinji Mikami and the people that he and like works with, they know how to make interesting horror. Like I've heard really good things about the Evil Within games. I haven't played them myself yet, but especially the second one. Yeah, I played the first one. Very good. Yeah, um, and it just seems like a really interesting concept. It's like almost like a rapture-esque situation, like people are disappearing in Tokyo Mm -hmm. and just like just leaving their clothing and stuff and there is some paranormal thing going on and you're kind of investigating it. I mean, we all know what really happened um, is that Marvel got fed up with Square Enix for taking so long to make an Avengers game, so they just got on and they were like, right, (laughs) you're going to make a game about Thanos. And what happens when he snaps his yeah. fingers? Ah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, pretty much. Maybe that's it. Hmm. It could be, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the game could be kind of interesting. I, 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 I have faith in that studio and Mikami and the people that he works with to make something interesting. But it's just, she was just so happy. And th- I, I like seeing developers who were just genuinely happy to be talking about their games and like yeah, yeah she was great. I completely agree um, I mean 
all we really saw was um, a pre-rendered uh, trailer, kind of teasing trailer almost. We didn't see any gameplay or anything, yeah. but what we saw and her enthusiasm got me very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't even like horror video games, and I want to. I'm, I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Um. Next up, they showed a whole. I kind of. I lost track a little bit of. There was a couple of expansions named for Elder Scrolls Online. Um. I've only played a tiny bit of this game, but when people complain about how there's no Elder Scrolls Six, people should really go play this because they, when it went free to play, they basically changed it a whole bunch and like it has procedurally generated quests and stuff it has a whole bunch of story content it's another game that's on game pass for like the base game so it's super worth people's time i think i haven't had enough time to play enough of it um but yeah so a bunch of vso stuff there was at least two expansions named and yeah. um, they also talked about the elder scrolls card game briefly in here uh legends mm-hmm. i think it's called it's on cell phones yeah. and it's, next- it's a it's a decent ccg um, yeah, like uh, it's it's not Hearthstone, but it's 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 a very good one of those sort of games. I would compare it more to like a Gwent, I think. Like it's on that level. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm considering Gwent isn't on mobile devices until yeah. later this year, which is annoying. That's the one yeah, I'm waiting for because yeah. I love Gwent. Yeah, absolutely, I love Gwent. Uh, Commander King is I've back played. as well. Yep. Fuck this. <laughs> Fuck this nonsense! Like I like before I got a Nintendo, before before Mario was in my life, Commander Keen was in my life, and I loved those games. Like, and there's some genuine pedigree there. Like it, these were the games that id Software made before they made Wolfenstein. Like they wanted to. Like I'm thinking, I think it might have started out as a proof of concept so that they could uh, go to Nintendo and say, look, we could make PC ports of Mario. Uh, yeah. but Nintendo weren't interested in that so like right, we'll make our own platformer then and so they made Commander Keen and those games were fantastic and this is an abomination so I'm not completely sure what it was I wrote in the notes it looked like a more tactical doodle jump because it looked like a slower doodle jump where you were going up on pla- it looked nothing like what Commander Keen is mm-hmm. and again this is another one so my wife uh, my brother-in-law used to play Commander Keen when they were kids and she was like, holy crap, Commander Keen's back. And then when she looked at it, she was like, what is this? This isn't Commander Keen. And I was like... No, it's not. It's not, they're no. just They've just taken a name that, like... Uh, will you evoke know, something. Will evoke something, but not, not for, like, a massive number of people. I, I don't know how many people are that, that nostalgic for Commander Keen. Like, I am, but, uh, you know, there'll there be a few people who are. Mm-hmm. But, like... It's, I don't know, it's weird. But, yeah. like, to take that and just make a new IP, don't take something classic like that and ruin it. No. And, like, I hate the art style. I hate the look of it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> Say it how it is. Uh, just rain. install DOSBox on, or whatever it is, yeah. on your computer and play, play classic play Commander Keen. Keen. Yeah. Play Keen Dreams. Uh, Keen's Dreams, that one's one of my favorites. Rage 2 is getting a bunch of like new content. Again, that game's not got the greatest reviews. A lot of people have said like it's got all style, but it's kind of boring. So if it's the same game as that, but just with some more extra shiny, shiny, then I don't see them selling that much of that stuff. Next game, definitely hyped for this one. It's Wolfenstein Youngblood. Um, oh, yes. So it follows on from Wolfenstein 2, I guess. Um, 
you play the twin children of Blazkowicz mm-hmm. uh, in the 1980s. I guess they've alluded to the fact that the end of two, the war does end in America, but the rest of the world is still under Nazi occupation. And um, Blazkowicz has kind of gone off to lead the revolution around the world and somehow got captured. So his two twins go and rescue him. It's got that whole like cool 80s vibe. Bloody love it. Cannot wait. Comes out in July. It's not quite full price. Um, so over here, it's fifty-five Canadian dollars as opposed to the seventy-nine, eighty-nine we usually pay for games. So that's super cool, and it has co-op, and they're doing some cool things with co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, super excited for that. Last Wolfenstein Two, as long as they nail the writing again, which I have no reason to doubt. It has some returning characters, um, like that Resistance leader. I forget her name. Um, but yeah, super cool. Uh, do either of you know what Deathloop is? Because I cannot. Yeah, remember. I just added it because I just remembered about it. It's a new game from Arcane Paris. Um, it's oh yeah. right, yeah. yeah uh, mm-hmm. It looked like some kind of weird sci-fi looper type game. Um, I don't really know much about it. Again, it was very very much a thing about this E3 is there was a lot of games announced with just fancy trailers with no gameplay whatsoever which completely means that they are next generation and they're nowhere near showing gameplay um they're just trying to get us hyped really and announce games while they can yeah. uh but what from what i saw it was kind of interesting i don't really know what much about yeah. the game but it looked okay i got strong um what was the dude who made a way out oh fuck a uh yeah i got like <laughs> strong those vibes from their little presentation like our game's fucking awesome can't swear but yeah it's fucking awesome and yeah yeah um but i i'd like i i haven't played prey um you've played it adam oh yeah yeah recently yeah um but i i adore the dishonored games um so uh i will check out anything that arcane make uh, next was something that was a bit weird. Um, they had two tech guys come up. Um, one thing I guess a lot of these press conferences, mm-hmm. you have a lot of the development teams or like the publishing teams in the audience, which is why you often hear people like losing their crap about stuff. It's the project they're working on. And this felt very much like it was pitched towards the people in the audience there because it was um, Orion, which was a it sounded like a middleware, like back end piece of software that is going to help with like. AI computations and all kinds of things and like graphic rendering for our streaming future. And it was yeah. like, hey, when you bring your stuff to Stadia, this is going to help you deliver the best possible games. It was just super weird. And I was like, mm-hmm. this would make way more sense being at GDC as yeah. a presentation to try and get people into using your middleware. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, great. You guys are working on some new streaming software that's going to help know, It's weird. It's so strange to be like at E3... To have people on a on a talking about like back end stuff, yeah, and they didn't show it in practice or anything, nothing. It was just like, yeah, it's a thing, cool. And it's not like I will never, I could live without knowing that there's a back end for that, and I'll be mm-hmm. fine because it doesn't affect mm-hmm. me. How you do all the what you do, I don't care, and I guess the average gamer wouldn't care, right? Yep. Um. So that was that, and then their last big thing, which we knew was coming, was Doom Eternal. Mm, it looks good it looks so good it's like how did you take Doom 2016 now looks so vanilla compared to Doom Mm -hmm. Eternal they've added vaulting mechanics 
Um, they've added like power-ups being like huge chunky. It's just so like retro and cool. It feels like the next evolution of like the whole traversal stuff. So like Titanfall 2's traversal, traversal um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, all that stuff. It's built up to it being. And like the reason it feels like that natural evolution is they've kind of take they've honed in the traversal stuff that matters and put it in a shooter that is batshit crazy, like fast. Mm-hmm. stupid and it looks amazing and like it looks like they've limited it in the right ways so you're completely in control it just looks amazing i cannot wait yeah. for it um doom 2016 was such a good game still haven't finished it and i know i know i've got it on two platforms and i still haven't finished it because it came to game pass and like the ending the ending is so <sighs> I'll, I'll get it finished i'll get it finished i'll bump it up to the top of my pile of shame and get it finished do it. Oh, well. Okay. And that was Bethesda. So we're finally at E3 proper. That was good. That was close to. Monday is uh, Ubisoft time. And unfortunately, their big opening, hey, we're here, was Watch Dogs Legion, which did um, leak earlier, mm-hmm. but looks bloody amazing. Yeah, let me tell you what didn't leak earlier. Helen, the granny. What? Yeah, the Oh, the granny woman. Yes. She she sounded a lot like, um, you know, the woman who was in Doctor Who who played Harriet, what's her name, MP for Flydale North. She sounded a lot. It's Mm. not her. I Googled Mm -hmm. it. Uh, And the other person, the the AI robot guy, sounded a lot like Danny Wallace, but it isn't him. Um, So, yeah, if you wondered who isn't in Watch Dogs Legion, those two people not in Watch Dogs Legion. And also not Jason Statham, but a guy trying his hardest to be yeah. Jason Statham, the first character. Um, so yeah, so what's super interesting? Oh, the guy who's is, like, London's fucked. Brexit, yeah. we're all I'm fucked, mate. Take over London. Yeah. I'm from dead sack. <laughs> um, you slag. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so it starts off with um, like the bald guy who's like looks like a tough and. It just looks like a regular Watch Dogs game. Like, you're walking by using a cell phone to scan stuff, scan people and find out information about them. You kind of follow through mm. a meet, uh, mission with that guy, and then he dies. And then that's where the main conceit of the game is unveiled, that you're recruiting an entire group of NPCs to be your dead sec in London and try in this post-Brexit hellscape world where the government's abandoned everybody to try and build a Oh, you mean team. like just regular everyday life then? Yeah, regular everyday life. You poor fuckers still stuck there. Save uh, us. <laughs> so yeah, um, so you can recruit any NPC in the game. You scan them with your phone, and then they all have a set routine around a very large, expansive virtual London where they've put real landmarks and stuff in. You saw like Camden Market and stuff. You saw the London Eye. You saw Westminster. All sorts of landmarks. You saw Chinatown. Um, you can recruit these people through helping them out and stuff. Each one of them has an origin story. The aforementioned grandma, you can recruit an old granny and then she was a tech expert and was able to like send in like a little spider robot to go and do some espionage. It was brilliant. And like you, the good thing about this is, is it feels like this is perhaps what Watch Dogs was always trying to work towards. It started off with the scanning them in the first game and having getting a bit of information. That's like scanning people, using that information 
to decide if they're a good fit for your team and then using that information to recruit them or find a place to recruit them. Um, you start to wonder, and, and this is where listening to other podcasts and stuff kind of helps to explain out some of the details because you start to wonder how can they possibly, they come in every NPC, maybe there's like 20 or mm. something. And it's like, no, they literally mean every NPC. And from what, this is, again, we're leaning heavy on Giant Bombs content a little bit, but during one of their <laughs> things, uh, Brad Shoemaker kind of talked about his interview with them, and there's, like, two sides to it. So every person has a, like, set note sort of characteristics that make their personality, and each person's is unique. So you can have different characteristics, like almost like a map of this person has these traits all mixed together, but then somebody else might have the same traits but kind of different traits as well, which match out a different personality. So when you're playing the story missions, they react very differently. They've recorded multiple versions of all of the VO, so like many, many versions, but then also used uh, voice modulators, which I guess have got pretty good by this point. Mm -hmm. So you might hear the same line from one personality trait in that mission, but then play as the same ca a different character and hear a similar line that's gone through a voice modulator, but then not all of the lines will be identical. <clears throat> Um, so in theory, if that's how it actually plays out, that is super cool. Um, if in reality there isn't that much nuance between the stories and it is just different voice actors, it's not quite as cool. Mm. Um, but they have claimed there's no like smoke and mirrors, there's no trickery, they're not trying to mess about with you. Like This is definitely what it is. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really I just excited say it's it's been quite cool just to watch you geek out about this game for the last two minutes. You look so excited <laughs> yeah. about it. And I was excited right? about it before, and you've just made me even more excited. <laughs> That's what uh, I'm here the one for. thing the one thing that I think's even more interesting about this game is one of the main criticisms from Watch Dogs 2, which by the way I mm -hmm. loved yeah. anyway. Me too. Uh was that um the uh, when when you have you you play one protagonist mm -hmm. and his motivations didn't always line up with you shooting people if you wanted to do that. So a lot of people said, oh, it feels a bit weird going around shooting people. Some people said, oh, I just don't shoot people. I just play it non-lethally. Yeah. It kind of makes sense to do it this way because you have the the guy, thug guy from the start. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes sense that he'd go around beating people up, shooting people, not caring. But then an old granny, she yeah. just hacks things and she likes to... Do you know what I mean? They kind of solve that problem by yeah. having many different people that you build up. So and you whichever character fit... You, you kind of role play as different yeah. characters at different times. And I think yeah. that's just really cool. And then I'm, you can totally recruit the, type, recruit the type of people you want for your playstyle. So if exactly. If you if want a team in, of really, really nice hacker, geeky yeah. old grandmas, then you can do that. But yeah. if you want a mix of people, some people who are like thuggish are going to go out and beat people up and kill people, but then some people on the sidelines who are, don't want to do that for whatever, you can, yeah. com you can literally make your story. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the thing, you know. I was shocked when Grand Theft Auto V came out and me and a mate started playing it separately and I was shocked at how different our experiences were just because of the missions we chose to play differently and different people we tried to play as. Right, but yeah. I think Watch Dogs Legion is going to take that to a whole new level where everyone's going to have their own personal story. Yeah, And totally. it's going to be really exciting in next March, April to sit down and talk with all of you yeah. and see all of our different experiences and how they're and different. That's where we'll start to see that stuff play out if it truly is what they're saying it is because we should have 
the chances are none of us will have the same experience because <clears> we're not with the same characters. We're not these personality traits aren't all mapping the same um, dialogue out. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Um, I the only thing is it's not coming out till March sixth of twenty twenty, which surprised me. I assumed it was coming out like late this year because it's an off year for uh, Assassin's mm. Creed. So I thought this was filling that gap, but it's not. So that's cool. No worries. Uh, one, I will say one thing. Um, they made a point of talking about how it was set in like post-Brexit Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I really, really would like them to lean into the politics of that, but despite making lots of games that are supposed to be political, Ubisoft try to be incredibly apolitical in all of these games. They don't ever try to say anything, and I hope this time they actually do. <sighs> So from what, what would I've... you like them to say, Mark? Um, fuck Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Boris Johnson. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, I wish. Like, I, just, just. I don't. I don't care what they say. I just want them to say something. You want there to be a yeah. statement. Whatever yes. It is. Yeah. Rather than just all... government's bad, surveillance is bad. Like make make a statement. It's like the guy who um, the guy who announced Infamous Second Son when he was like. Maybe security cameras are bad. Yes. Everything is bad. <laughs> Surveillance yeah. is bad. Maybe we're the yeah. bad guys. Maybe maybe just explore that a little bit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you will be doing lots of exploring in Ghost Recon Breakpoint, well, which is the next oh, in the open world. Oh, what a segue. I know, I try my best. <laughs> We've been going nearly an hour and a half, and it's taken me that long to get a good segue in. Um, so this is a new like open world Ghost Recon game. It doesn't. It looks like more Wildlands with some prettier looking tech and survival elements. We got um, everybody's uh, third favorite um, <laughs> E3 moment with what's his name, John Byrne, something, the guy from The Walking Dead, and the Punisher. Yeah, yeah his dog Bam Bam. Yeah, yeah. John Byrne. Byrne oh, cool. so, yeah. Oh yeah, is the he dog the guy who was from too. Teachers? What? No, that's Andrew Lincoln. No, no, yeah, oh, no, the yeah, American dude. You, you played, uh, you've never seen The Punisher? Or or Deadpool? No. Or Deadpool? Um, Daredevil? Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, you can play it solo or you can play uh, co-op. Um, they also talked about some community thing they're going to have called Ghost Recon Delta Company. It's kind of like a, sounded like a forum or a Discord for chatting about it. Um, yeah. Uh, they reinvented Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind Good of. It was weird. Um, next was Tom Clancy Elite Squad, which was a uh, online. Is Tom Clancy still alive? Just, just, just a quick question. No, he's not. He died. Okay. No. Well, the Tom, the Tom they, Clancy Estate must be picking up some fat royalty checks just from no, Ubisoft. They, I don't think they are. I think they sold it as a one-time thing to. Well, Ubisoft. Okay, that explains why there is like they... five new Tom Clancy games a year. Yeah. I mean, they can't buy every IP. They're not like THQ Nordic with all these, <laughs> this money in the bank. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, they bought the naming rights outright to it in 2008. Ah, fair enough. Fair ago. enough. Yeah. Anyway. That was a really bad business decision by Tom Clancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, um, that's so yeah, that. so that's, that's like a, it's kind of like one of those, it's a turn-based strategy game or something with like gotcha mechanics where you're getting the heroes and leveling them up and all. Not for me. Uh, they did no. the obligatory no. Just Dance 
for some reason, the panda was naked this year, and I found it super distracting. Because last year he came out and he had a big jacket. This year he was just there naked, mm. dancing. What the I hell? did like the uh, the video before that. It was like, God, we've been we got to do it for yeah, the we've players. We've been dancing for ten years, but but uh, you know we we've been dancing for ten years. Yeah, but we just got to keep dancing. Yeah. It, yeah, the whole thing was really bizarre. But um, in in just yeah, dance. but in a you know typically Ubisoft way, I like every single Ubisoft conference. Um, just like it's all it's either like full on like dark and gritty Tom Clancy nonsense, or it's like f- like completely wacky and out there. There is no middle ground. No. It's like, super serious or super silly. Yeah, um, this is worth noting that this game is coming out on the Wii. Not the Wii U, the Wii, yes. which is insane. Yep. <laughs> well, so, I imagine so people must still be buying it. There's still a lot of them out there, I guess. Yeah. I guess Just Dance is kind of the perfect game for Wii because of the Wii yeah. wand and stuff. I like, don't know. It's like the one game that works yeah. with it. Um, Other than it's not tennis. It's super precise from what I understand, so you don't need uh, crazy like precision with the dancing it's not like a dance central it's trying to capture all your movements so yeah it is perfect for the original Wii remote I guess um Rainbow Six so Rainbow Six Siege is still super popular they're bringing mm-hmm. more DLC and more operators to that game um so every people are into that it did it went free to play on multiple formats just for this week which is cool and it's also on sale it's so, a it's a really good game. Yeah, like it's a really really solid game, and like they managed to do something with that franchise that I didn't think they would be able to do is like kind of turn it into a hero shooter in a weird sort of way. Like yeah. all of the different characters in that game are different, enough, are, right? like so ridiculously unique, and they add such interesting dynamics into into the way that matches play out. That yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Really cool game. Yeah, I keep meaning to pick it up. I played it ages ago at some Xbox event, and it's it was cool back then. Mm-hmm. Um, Operation Phantom Sight is the name of that next season, and it's already out as, as we're recording. Mm. Um, they also briefly mentioned um, Rainbow Six Quarantine, which is the next Rainbow Six. It's not replacing Siege at all. Uh, it's a three-player tactical game, but uh, co-op Um Looks a little bit like a horror game. I kind of got maybe Left for Dead vibes a little bit from this. Well, there was a mode in Rainbow Six Siege a while ago that was kind of like that. And I wonder if, like, they had this limited time mode for a while and it proved to be quite popular. And I wonder whether they just decided to spin it off into its own game. Maybe. Mm. It was a good move, though, right? I think they need to maintain... I think there's still a need for them to sell more Rainbow Six products in the future, but then they got they want to keep Siege alive as well, but mm-hmm. they got to keep those box products coming out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good move. Uh, Division 2, so that also went free to play from the 13th until the 16th. And then the first major update is kind of kicking off in July, which is uh, like an area, um, it's called Outskirts Expeditions or something, where you go into uh, the outskirts of DC, so like zoos, the Pentagon... And then they also teased um, further DLC that's coming out next year where you'll go back to New York. Mm. Super interesting. And then I actually missed this bit because my feed died, but apparently they announced a Division movie that's coming to Netflix. Yes, with Jessica Chastain and Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, cool. And it's being... It's also um, directed by David Mm. Leach. 
not David Lynch, which I thought is what he said, and I got very excited. Could you imagine? Thought, David Lynch. Oh, could you oh, imagine? Was, that would be amazing. I was so into it. And then I realised that actually he didn't say David Lynch <laughs> no. at all, and I was just dreaming. Um, but yeah. David, uh, he's yeah. done, I looked him up, and he's done some alright films. Like he's He done... did the second Deadpool, um, I think. I think I'm oh. thinking of the same, pe- the, the same person. Also directed the go. first John Wick. Yes. And Atomic um, Blonde. That was it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's oh, made... and Hobbs and Shaw. I saw yeah. the trailer for that recently. That film looks ridiculous. Been, yeah, I've seen that trailer. I've seen that trailer like a million times watching basketball recently. It's been on like every <laughs> single commercial break they've shown that yeah. trailer. Um, so yeah, so TV stuff for The Division 2, uh, movie stuff for Division 2, um, and then a little bit of TV when um, one of the stars of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia... Rob McElhenney. Um, Rob McElhenney, yeah, came out to show off a show called Mystic Quest Raven's Banquet, which is kind of like a... That was such a strange yeah. moment. At first I was like, cool, because Ubisoft came out a few weeks ago and said we're going to make more property, more stuff based on our properties. It's kind of like a, pretending as if this Mystic Quest is the world's answer to WoW, but made by like this mm. egotistical um, game developer. But the weird thing was, it just was not funny at all. I didn't laugh once at all. No, it didn't. In the hit context me of, uh, at first, I was I was kind of interested because of obviously you know it's always yeah. funny. Yeah, it's always sunny mm. in Philly, and then it just it wasn't no. funny. If it was a little, if it was all. a little spoof thing for something else, like oh here's a spoof for a game we're actually making, it'd have been sort of like ha half. But as a sh- if that was the best you can show me to get me engaged in that show, it failed completely. Like I'm never gonna watch it based on that. Basically, um, it's coming to Apple TV Plus, and that's kind of all they shared about that. Um, Next on our list is uh, Roller Champions. Roller, Roller Champions, Champions, yeah. Yes. Which is a action, well, a skill-based team PvP roller skating game. Kind of evokes the feelings of like Rocket League. You just read that off uh, Google, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Not the evokes Rocket League, but the skill-based, the skill-based team PvP I did. Um, so yeah, it's like a roller derby game, and I guess you're kind of in a circle. You're trying to grab the ball, and you've got to do a whole lap of the track, and then score um, a basketball with it. Yeah, um, it looks pretty cool. I'm gonna, I've got to remember they've got a pre-alpha demo up now on PC that you can download. <laughs> pre-alpha, yeah. That's pre-alpha what is it. now a th- wow. Ubisoft yeah. is is uh, taking the development world by storm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's on Uplay. So I'm going to try and download that and try and play some in the next few days. Apparently, it's meant to be really good. Mm. Well. Cool. I've I've heard then, um, good things from people that have played it. So um, I will reserve judgment, okay. even even based on the ridiculous pre-alpha title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we won't. I guess we're not expecting that one to come out for a while. No. It's in pre-alpha. Um, and then before the last big big reveal, um, they announced Uplay Plus which I didn't fully understand what this was. At first, I was like, oh, it's $15 a month for everything. Great. Um, but that kind of isn't what it was. It was $15 a month to access a library of old Ubisoft games and their DLC only on PC for now. 
And you also do get select new releases, it seems. So they name-checked Watch Dogs Legion and um, Ghost Recon as being on it. Mm-hmm. And it will also be available. This was the first reveal that I guess Google Stadia, you not just tied to subscribing to Google Stadia Pro, you can also kind of subscribe to other services through Stadia because um, it's going to be on Stadia. Mm. I yeah, guess it's it kind of them trying to do an EA vault. Yeah. But it's a lot more expensive. Like that. EA Access is, I pay five sixty four a month. Yeah, I think it's not it a lot, out. is it? It's nothing compared to fifteen dollars a month, and that's like EA Access, one of those ones I've just never considered cancelling because you get discounts on EA stuff that you do buy, and you get the vaults got pretty large at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and then their very last tease, they had somebody from the Assassin's Creed team come out and say, "Hey, we love making Assassin's Creed t- games." But we've always found that we're somewhat like bound by history, which to a point is true. They, even though the two most recent ones have kind of moved away and do include some mythological elements, yeah, um, it's not like they're not a whole hog gone that way. They still base it in like legends appropriate to the time period, kind of, and kind of explain it away with glitches in the animus. So they revealed uh, gods and monsters, which they described as um, kind of like a adventure about a hero on a quest to save Greek gods. Um, and it showed like a quick trailer. It definitely evoked like Breath of the Wild for me with like mm. a cartoon aesthetic. Um, we didn't see a whole bunch of it and it's out relatively soonish, like February next year. So we're going to see more of that before. Apparently like the Breath of the Wild comparisons go beyond just the art style. It's also like quite an open world thing that has like cooking and survival elements Amazing. and stuff like that. So Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was Ubisoft. Um, Square Enix was next, so later Monday night. <clears throat> the big thing for them was this Final Fantasy VII remake. Mm-hmm. Um, I never played Final Fantasy VII, but I know it's a game that's held with a whole bunch of like reverence. This seems like an insane undertaking, the mm-hmm. level of detail that is just in this opening area. And I guess this is the question everyone's asking. Like, how many games is this going to be? How many years is it going to take to make? They don't know. Like, the like, the, the yeah. developers don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, cool. Um, you're in for a long ride if you want to commit to playing this. It's, yeah. I mean, I never played Final Fantasy VII either. The first Final Fantasy I ever played was Final Fantasy XV, and I platinumed it. I really loved it. And mm-hmm. I know most people say it wasn't a great Final Fantasy, whatever, but no, it, would, no, it for, is a good Final Fantasy. For for me, it was the right Final Fantasy because I'm not a massive fan of the whole Japanese um, turn-based uh, strategy mm-hmm. games. Uh, the only one I really like is Pokemon, um, and that's because it's kind of cutesy enough and um, simplified enough to get away with it, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But for me, this Final Fantasy VII remake seems to be exactly what I'm looking for in terms of it's kind of Kingdom Heartsy until a point and then yeah. uh it turns into you get the ATB bars filling up and it turns into more strategy where time slows down and you can choose different moves you want to make. Um yeah. Yeah. from what they showed it looks amazing. It looks very much like Final Fantasy fifteen. Um uh, just with a different combat system, which looks really cool. I'm, I'm kind of. I never thought I would be this excited for a Final Fantasy game coming out. So uh, it, it's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, it's if it's sold it to you and you're not that asked about. It's 
yeah. done something right. right? Yeah. So, um, um, I, I, a lot of people are very, understandably, very nostalgic for Final Fantasy VII because for a lot of people of our, like our generation, it was like their first Final Fantasy. Um, not many people played Final Fantasy VI uh, or like three as it was in the West or any of the ones before that. Um, so seven was like a lot of nostalgia for it. I can think of at least three Final Fantasy games that I would have preferred them to remaster or to to remake than this but i understand why they've made seven and it does look very nice i've got to say they are remastering not remaking final fantasy 8 which is typically one that's been kind of dealt a raw hand over the years and hasn't been re-released as much as the others there was a reason for that and i and the reason for that it makes me wonder like how they're doing this so for people who might not know um Games preservation in the 90s in Japan was pretty rubbish. Uh, So a lot of developers would finish their game and then like just delete all the files that they'd got on on that particular game um, to move on to the next one. So when Square finished with Final Fantasy VIII, they binned all the files and started work on Final Fantasy IX because no one was thinking about, well, maybe we'll need to re-release this on platforms in the future. And so uh, the fact that like the PC version of Final Fantasy VIII looks just as rough as the, the PS1 version and there hadn't been these re-releases and they hadn't made any noise about, like, they'd, been, they'd like, brought out Final Fantasy VII and uh, Final Fantasy IX and the Readmaster X and twelve and whatnot, and eight was getting dealt a pretty raw deal was... That the rumors were that well, Square just lost the files, and they couldn't make it. So this is what I've never understood about this. There must be some way to extract the source code back out of a game. No, there <laughs> like is. Run it through a compiler backwards or something. I mean, the problem is what happens when you you start out with nice code that you can read in human, and then that right. kind of gets c- compiled into what's known as assembly language, and then finally into machine code. Assembly language is hexadecimal. Uh, right. And then machine code is ones and zeros. Uh, so you can technically uh, get it back into some kind of human readable form where you could edit it, but it's very mm. hard. Um, so what I reckon they've probably done is they've managed to strip the assets out somehow and make them a bit better. Uh, put their okay. own, put different assets in because if you look at it, the models look very similar but just a little bit more detailed, and the text isn't as fuzzy anymore and stuff on the mm-hmm. screenshots they've shared. So I think maybe they've they've just done what they can really, um, yeah, without without the source code. So they've just decompiled what they can, and then they're recompiling it again, and it doesn't look amazing. I mean, when we were first it's... talking about this earlier in the uh, earlier in the week, I said. What is it remastered? It just looks like the same to me. Uh, and it, hmm. going back and looking at the old screenshots, uh, Mark called me out on it, of course, uh, and he was right. It, the old ones look even <laughs> well, worse. It's it's just I've played Final Fantasy VIII a lot. Like Final Fantasy VIII is my favorite Final Fantasy, and I am fully aware that it looks rough. Like it at the time, it looked amazing, but like going back to it now, it it has it's probably aged worse than any Final Fantasy game. Yeah, um, and so. 
uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think uh, looking at the screenshots, obviously I'd need to see the actual game in motion a bit more, but it looks to me like they've done more work on this than they did when they remastered 10. For example, or at least there is a there is a uh, there's more of a clear difference between the original and the remaster on eight than there is with ten. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, cool. that's cool. Mm. Um, whilst we're talking Final Fantasy, they did also announce that uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles remastered is coming out this winter on phones, Switch, and PS4. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other. Well, there's another expansion to fourteen. Yep. They've, just, also, they've only just released an expansion for 14 and there's another one. And so. then, uh, War of the Visions as well, which was a mobile follow-up to Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. So yeah, a whole bunch that's, of Final Fantasy stuff. There's a lot of Final Fantasy games. Um, and then I guess their other big, big thing that I've been teasing for bloody ages was the Crystal Dynamics uh, Avengers game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they showed... Nothing uh, that was gameplay. They showed a whole bunch of cutscenes. They showed the voice actors sat like Nolan North having a chat with Troy Baker and then some other people who I didn't know and telling like, and it was dumb. Like Nolan North went, "What fascinates me about Tony Stark is that there's a man behind the mask," and it's like, no crap. Oh like, thanks. like it was so cringing. And for something that is coming out May 15th, so it's out before E3 next year, so there's not much. They're going to have to do their own event to show off. And then when you hear what they were showing behind closed doors to the press, it was literally like the tutorial missions and they didn't look that good. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? And, and it's been positioned like- as... It's really like from where I saw, I heard uh, Patrick Klepik at Waypoint talking about having played it, and he said that basically what he played was what you saw in the trailer, like was the same thing, but you were playing it, and there were like some so some UI elements uh, on the screen. Show. Oh no, he wasn't even playing. It was like it was like being was shown again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like there's some UI elements on the screen that showed some powers possibly, but like and he was, he asked as many questions as he could to the PR person who was there because there weren't any even any of the developers there about what the game is and it's like in the trailer and stuff they're kind of presenting the game as being like a here's an Avengers story game um, <laughs> yeah. but what they're telling people behind closed doors is it's kind of like Destiny yeah, but like in the Avengers actual. universe um, but and then they're going to be releasing characters and story stuff for free. And then there'll be like paid cosmetics and whatnot. Yeah. But then really confusing messaging over how it being like Destiny Light. So there's like gear. So yeah. does that mean like equipment, weapons and stuff like that? And then like as Patrick Klepp was pointing out, it's like, okay. So if you're playing as Black Widow, then cool. You're like, you are, you find some new guns. Or you playing as uh, as Iron Man? Oh, you found some more mods for the suit. Like, but if you're playing as the Hulk, what do you, what gear does the Hulk get? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to remember how Marvel Heroes did it for Hulk. I think it was just new moves, like new types of smashes and stuff. Mm. So Marvel Heroes was that like free to play online, like Diablo Diablo kind of game. Yeah, that they, they got shot, and it was pretty good. And I'm pretty. I played. I mained as Hulk on part of for a mm-hmm. bit. 
I'm pretty sure it's just adding new types of smash and stuff. And yeah, but you can get away with that. But like yeah. in a game that's gonna that like they're at least hinting at will will revolve at least partly yeah. around getting loot. Like yeah. what sort of loot can Hulk get apart from? I'd have to go back and look. New shorts. Yeah, I think that. Oh, so that was one thing that did have new. Like you could apply like bracelets and amulets and stuff that would give you new strength, but none of it. It didn't cosmetically look different on the characters unless no. you bought the skins. Yeah. So yeah, super weird. We need to see more. Um, mm. They've said they plan on supporting it for multiple years. They talked about how you can only, when you're playing in co-op, one person can only be each character. So that's kind of frustrating. I would have thought they could have introduced some sort of like Infinity Wars um, thing there so you can have multiple Iron Men with different skins or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She may do eventually. So yeah, that was a bit of a downer. And then it was annoying to hear that there was like nothing extra shown to journalists pretty much outside of some very canned gameplay. Mm. So next was the big one, arguably, Nintendo. And you kind of feel like with Sony being out, Microsoft kind of are in a little bit of like... Hey, well, we tri- we missed we missed Devolver Digital. Oh, did we? Yeah. All right, talk we, about we did. We, we skimmed past the PC show, which Adam put meh yeah. to, and I just put Devolver. Was it on Monday? Question mark. <laughs> um, so, so no, the wrong. Devolver thing was really cool. Like they, so it was presented as uh, who's the name of the presenter who did the last two? Not a clue. I can't I remember. I can't remember her name, the character. But at the end of the last Devolver Digital uh, E3 show, she died. Uh, and so they're like, it was a whole weird thing about them trying to. Well, you need to watch it, but like the main crux of it yeah, was that it had like this a time round, which was cool. Yeah, there's an ongoing story, but this time around, instead of it being like a fake E3 press conference, this time it was like a fake Nintendo Direct style presentation, uh, and it's hilarious. And they announced a whole bunch of cool games, uh, some of which we knew about, some of which we didn't know about. Um, the funniest thing they did was announcing and stealth launching the um, Devolver Digital uh, um, bootleg compilation, which like they got mm-hmm. the developers of games from Devolver Digital to make bootleg versions of their own games. So like uh, Shooty Boots, I think is what it's called, was like a bootleg version of Downwell. Uh, Enter the Gun Dungeon is uh was into the gungeon and then like hotline milwaukee and stuff like that and yeah. just like like the kind of wacky stuff that you were that the only devolver digital could do um yeah they there's a whole they announced a whole bunch of cool stuff just go and go and watch it because like it's trying to describe what happened in in uh what happens in a devolver digital presser is uh yeah it's a bit hard just watch it yeah. it's hilarious and there's so many games in there, it's hard to keep up with them all. Yeah. Okay. So we got to Tuesday eventually. Yeah. And that yeah, was Nintendo. Yeah. Um, as I was saying, so they kind of had this opportunity to kind of really bring it because with Microsoft kind of treading water until Scarlet, Sony not being there, this was kind of their chance to come out and like knock it out of the park. It's possibly the last year as well where the Switch won't. The Switch is going to be super far behind tech wise when the new consoles come out. And I think they're pretty, they're aware of that. And it, they brought some bangers again, let's be honest. Um, so Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yes. we already a lot of these we already knew about, so we already knew about yeah. Link's Awakening. But they showed more footage, and it looks even more gorgeous than a, yeah. than I think I remember it looking last time I saw it. It looks like, amazing. There's mm-hmm. one. Um, there's one um, screenshot in particular when he's going fishing, and the camera like pans into him smiling, and it looks so amazing. Um, Link's Awakening. So I didn't own a SNES. I uh, had a Mega Drive, so I never played Link to the Past until a lot later, but I had a Game Boy, and Link's Awakening was my jam. I absolutely loved it. So the thought mm. of it coming back, so excited. Can't wait. That's out on September 20th. Um, and then next up we had Cadence of Hyrule, um, which is, again, a game we already knew about, so that's the Crypt of the Necromancer game, um, remade with like Zelda music and a Zelda overworld. It kind of removed some of the roguelike elements. thing that was surprising is it was out. It came out on the 13th. I already mm. bought and played it. It's pretty damn good, but I have no <laughs> rhythm, so it's super hard. The one interesting thing is, though, you can turn... I don't know if Crypt of the Necromancer had this, but you can turn off the rhythm mode. So then it's so the music's still playing and stuff, but you don't have to go to the beat of the music. So then what it essentially becomes is like a old-fashioned rogue game so the enemies only move when you move so it becomes like an old rogue game like um sharing the wanderer kind of where it's just a grid based feels real time but actually it's grid based and all the enemies move when you do so if i keep hitting my head against a brick wall i may end up playing it in that mode (laughs) um we got over the course of the press conference or the video we got two smash brothers reveals so the first was Dragon Quest, the hero from Dragon Quest is coming. Yeah. And there's a bunch of Echo Fighters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the funnier of the two, which everyone kind of knew was coming, is that Banjo-Kazooie are coming to Smash Brothers. The way they revealed it, they yeah. were so good. Super cool. Uh, they just showed a silhouette. And then uh, the silhouette faded, and it was the duck and the dog from uh, Duck Hunt. So that was brilliant. <laughs> Um, and they kind of giggled and then it cut across and it was like, oh, actually Banjo-Kazooie we are here. So they look super cool. Next on our list, we have The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. So that's coming with all its DLC, everything. It's all coming on one cart. CD Projekt Red came out and said, we're not messing about and expecting you to download half the game. Like this is, we're going to pay the money to get the biggest cart we can get made. Um, Digital Foundry already run a feature on it. It's mm. going to run at like 7.20 on the TV and then 5.40 on the handheld, which is super impressive when you consider how big that world is. Um, insane that it's coming to Switch. So for yeah. people that are like hard Nintendo fans and don't have access to another console, like that's one hell of a game to dig into and spend hours and hours and hours in mm-hmm. such a good game yeah yeah um it was a really good game i when i played it i literally couldn't play any other yeah. game until i finished yeah, likewise. it um and to be honest as much as a switch fanboy i am uh i think instead of buying the witcher 3 on switch i think what i'll do is i'll buy the expansions instead on ps4 oh, have you not played them played those oh my god same. No, I I've only played I've, the base I've game. I've bought the expansions so and I not think, played them. Oh, they're both incredible, especially I the first. I think instead what I'll do is uh, buy the expansions on PS4 and play it all again through on Pro uh, because I don't really play my Switch on the go. I play it in mm. the house anyway. Uh, so I think I'll spend my money there mm. instead. But for people that want a Witcher experience on the go or yeah. who it's just convenient for, it's a great option. Yeah. 
Um, next we got a bit of an unexpected one on our list. Uh, Panzer Dragoon is getting a remake, remaster. Mm. Um, so that's cool. Um, super excited about this next one. Luigi's Mansion 3 is our first proper look at it. Like, yes. I, Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube I've played so many times. Absolutely love it. To a lesser extent, but still a great game. Luigi's Mansion 2 on 3DS is really good as well. And then this mm. looks insane. So they added... <clears throat> so, like, Luigi wins tickets to a competition to go and stay in a hotel. It turns out the hotel's haunted. He's now working his way through multiple floors of a hotel where every floor is themed. The one they were showing off is, like, medieval-themed. There's a bunch of new weapons. Like There's, like, a slam move. Um, you can use, like, a plunge to suction things and... Me- there's the creepy-looking uh, Guigi, which is like a second playable character that can pass in spaces that Luigi can't. <laughs> it looks amazing. It's got the multiplayer mode from 3DS. You can play with up to like eight people in kind of like a ghost hunting mode. Super amazing. Cannot wait. It's tentatively got 2019 mm-hmm. as a release date. So if you were to look at when their other games are coming out, you would assume... If this doesn't hit Halloween, it's probably going to be their like late December release, kind of how Smash was last year. Um, but cannot wait, like all over that day one. Um, they yep. showed off Animal Crossing New Horizons, as it's called. Um, I'm going to be honest, at first, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, what are they doing? Because it showed you the tent and it showed you them messing about with tent stuff. And I was like, oh no, they're just bringing Pocket Camp to the switch or like a version of and i was like oh no 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 <laughs> but then thankfully it looks like you're moving to this new island tom hook is like hooking you up tom nook is hooking you up and setting up this island with you and it looks like the part of pro- the pocket camp that comes is you encouraging villagers to move and build houses and stuff it looks super nice they added mm-hmm. the graphics look like they got that little tweaky overhaul you can build you can build like proper paths so, and so stuff good. now, like with curvy um, paths instead of being you were stuck to just laying textures on the floor before to make paths. Oh, it looks good. Um, mm-hmm. The only slightly disappointing thing was it's not come out till 2020, but then they did kind of touch on hey, we want it to be the best game we can. Please understand these games are like huge, and they are like this is a game that people play for years. And they said, we don't want to push the developers. So it's kind of like another one of these, because of all this stuff about game crunch, game crunch and like people unionizing and unfair work conditions. So it's like, hey, don't get mad, guys. Um, as somebody wrote in the, I don't know who wrote this, someone wrote dicks in, in uh, brackets here. Like, yeah, just accept it. It's coming out in March. It's going to be amazing. There's enough other stuff coming out this year. It's the thing, it's like, the thing that annoys me, I suppose, <laughs> about it, it was me who wrote that. Uh, the thing that annoys me is when uh, Red Redemption 2 came out and there was the uh, massive Kotaku article by Jason Schreier uh, about the unfair working conditions, the, it's, the people who were saying how bad that was are the same people mm. complaining that Animal Crossing is delayed. And it's just like, it's complete... Oh, it just annoys me. Essentially... You can't have a game that you really, really want sooner and yeah. not have it be crunched, essentially. And to complain about a game being delayed, uh, especially when the company has openly said it's because we want to try and respect our employees and our developers. We don't want to 
you know, put them through too much crunch. We don't want to put them through too much hurt. To complain yeah. about that is a proper dick move, yep. and I'm going to call it out whenever mm-hmm. I see it. Um, it, it. It is, and especially in this day and age, we need to be protecting... Well, not protecting as such, just treating mm-hmm. our developers properly and treating people properly. Yeah. It, I mean, everyone's a person at the end of the day, and everyone needs to treat everyone a bit kinder, especially in this these day and age. Um, Agreed. So, totally. Yeah. Um, That's what I think. And if you're waiting, whilst you're waiting for Animal Crossing, you could instead play Pokemon Sword and Shield that are out this year. Um, like, there's mm-hmm. other options, right? And Nick, I'm sure you were super hyped about this one. So tell us about some of the new stuff they showed off. I am so excited. <laughs> they they showed they showed more Pokemon. They showed gym battles are back. There's giant gym battles. Yeah, that um, stuff looked crazy. Oh, it looked amazing, yeah. didn't it? Um, I watched. I did. I've to be honest. There's yeah. been like a 25 minute gameplay video released on YouTube that I've not had a chance to watch this week. So I've been so busy with work. Um, I watched about five minutes of it. Yes, last night. Um, but it looks amazing. It seems they've kind of taken a little bit of uh, let's go in that there's some mechanic Mm -hmm. where you can see where Pokemon are in tall grass, um, which is is very, very nice uh, because it's the first thing that when I think uh, back last year when I was talking about playing let's go so much, I said I really am enjoying seeing Pokemon in the world and it's one thing that made let's go so special for me. So to yeah. be able to get a little bit of that at least uh, is very nice, and it seems to have taken I'm feedback still kind of on that because a lot of people seem the to purists enjoy it. that do want random um, stuff as where that occurs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think yeah. a hybrid is kind of probably about right because let's go. I found myself right. ducking battles too much uh, when really mm-hmm. I needed. I could have ground a bit more uh, to get. Um, more XP and you want that where battles are the main focus and not uh, obviously you couldn't battle wild Pokemon in Let's Go right. uh, so there was no incentive to do it whereas you know when you're grinding up levels and stuff in Pokemon yeah. you, you do need the XP and you want to do it um, but it just looks so good I just want to play it I just when can't wait to get out? my hands on it to be See? honest um, and like you say it's, um, uh, November 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 sometime. Um, So, yeah, November through, like you say, through January, February, (laughs) March, I will be playing that non-stop. And then then Animal Crossing. (laughs) Exactly. And then Animal Crossing will come Um, out and take off my life. There was a bit of a square update, so they brought out a mana collection that included, I forget what it was called, one (laughs) of the game's... Setsuna Taxuin or something it's called in Japanese that's never been released here. They've given it a new name. Um, So it's three. It's got like a Game Boy one. It's got Secret of Mana and then this one that they've never released before. The old Square Tax came in here though. It's 50 bucks on Switch. Um, It's already available now. Kind of expensive. If it was maybe 20, I might have considered getting it. Um, They unveiled Trials of Mana. That's a new, brand new Mana game. Uh, we saw a little bit more of Astra Chain, which is another of uh, Platinum's games. Um, I always never know what to think about Platinum games because they have so many teams. So you're either getting a Bayonetta or you're getting a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <clears throat> and it's like, or sometimes in between, like Transformers mm-hmm. Devastation was pretty good. So they obviously have there like an yeah. A, a B and a C team tier, a tier team. And it's like, okay, who's working on this one? It looks pretty decent. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, and then last, but by no means least, was there one more thing. 
Um, we saw two characters, familiar characters, walking down into a dark and dingy dungeon. And it was Zelda and Link in the mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild engine. And we saw them potentially, somehow, we saw the resurrection of Ganondorf's corpse. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that was it. And then like a little bit of text came up and said, hey, we're working on a sequel to Breath of the Wild. At first I was like, cool, they're making DLC. But it was like, no, we're actually making a full-blown sequel. I was like, amazing. Yeah, There's not a lot to go on. Um, Game Informer already did kind of like a breakdown of the trailer. It looks super cool. There's like there's perhaps mm-hmm. a hint that you might be able to play Zelda as well. Um which we've already seen like Cadence of Hyrule, cool. you can play as Link or Zelda. Um yeah, and then this is our first proper look at, I guess, like Ganondorf in this world because he was Calamity Ganon in Breath of the Wild. And it's cool. We we don't see that many direct mm-hmm. sequels. Like we got Link's Link Between Worlds, which was a sequel to Link. A link to the past, and we got Majora's Mask that was a sequel to like the um, Ocarina of Time. So it's cool to have a sequel in the Zelda world. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of looks like a bit of a Majora yeah. spin as well. Being It looks okay. like it's going to be a little bit darker. Breath of the Wild already kind of was anyway. Which um, I'm on board for. Calamity was a darker. Yeah. Thing, but yeah. Yeah, but like that, like the the the, the face of like yeah. the reanimated Ganon corpse was like that was straight up like from yeah, software like, levels of yeah messed up like messed not up horror but like grotesque or something kind of like yeah yeah super exciting no hint of when that's coming out which again take as long as you bloody need the fact that we get the fact that yes potentially this generation switch is one where we may end up with three Zelda games so we've got Add Breath of the Wild we're getting Link's Awakening and we may end up with this that is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so take as long as you need. Do whatever. Metroid Prime Four is the same. Like it's on. It's, it's getting made somewhere, and we trust that when they're ready, they'll show us. Um, and that was it, pretty much. Nintendo show ended, and then the show floor opened, and the E3 was done and over before we knew it. Um, so, do either of you have anything else? I think we've along the way we've kind of shared what our highlights were. So for me, it was a hundred percent. The cyberpunk reveal Keanu Reeves, but then in terms of a game we actually saw, it's Watchdog Watchdogs Legion. Bar bar Watchdog Legions looks amazing. Cannot wait for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of what we saw, um, cyberpunk for sure. I mean, I'm just massively excited about that. I'm a huge fan of CD Projekt Red anyway, and I love that sort of setting. Um, spin a few little bits of information coming out about the game that there could be some problematic stuff in there, but then it's, I don't know whether it's a case of like, that's just stuff that has come from the, 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 the genre that they're, they're making and also stuff that's come across from the, mm-hmm. the, the cyberpunk board game, yeah. board game sort of stuff. Um, but still, I'm massively excited for that. Um, yeah, New Zelda is nuts. Um, this, to be honest, most of the stuff that's come out that's got me most excited is the stuff that I've been hearing from people who've gotten hands-on with games. Information that's coming out that they, that wasn't conveyed well on the stage. Like, if they'd had a proper gameplay demo of um, Jedi Fallen Order 
and explained the stuff that they've shown to journalists in demos since then, I think people, the general public, would have been even more excited for that game than they already are mm-hmm. because it just sounds amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this very much felt like an EA of trailers. Um, there wasn't really any gameplay on stage at all. I think uh, Watch Dogs did some gameplay. Um Final Fantasy did gameplay, but then actually, in terms of people actually on stage playing the games, there was very, very little. Um, it was all uh, trailered, flashy, cut, very tight sequences, um, which does make you think that most of the games now are very early on in production, mm-hmm. probably for the next generation. Yeah. Um, but in terms of games excitement i mean obviously cyberpunk uh you're not going to get away from that i think that's most going to be most people's game of the show and things that they're most looking forward to final fantasy 7 remake um interesting one for me of course uh which wasn't even at any of the conferences is control uh, which is coming out in august uh not at any of the conferences it's caused by remedy and uh there's been a load of new gameplay and stuff released and i just Everything I see about this game makes me more excited mm. for it. And it's yeah. not just because I'm a massive Alan Wake fan. Uh, it, it just looks really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, Pokemon, obviously. Um, it, it, it's been a good E3. It's not been a great E3, I think. It feels... You can tell it's just before a new generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, one of the things that, uh, like came out is like lots of people speculating when Sony said they weren't going to be at E3 is just like well like it's going to be Microsoft's like Microsoft's big E3 then um and they didn't show again like they had a really solid presentation but they didn't show anything that would make anyone who doesn't have an Xbox already think yeah. oh I need no. to have an Xbox unless they really care about Game Pass like I, I, th- no, I think no I mean to me Xbox Microsoft did pretty much the same presentation they did last yeah. year, which yeah. was a lot of third-party yeah. games that have just happened to be coming to to Xbox Game Pass as well. I mean, Game Pass is yeah. working out well for them. I haven't turned my PS4 yeah. on in pr- over a month now, just because <laughs> I've been playing Game Pass games. I, I mean, I after the Microsoft presser, I uh, started playing Sunset Overdrive, and I exclusively played that through to last night, and I finished it. Um, again, it, it, I've not played any game that's not been on Game Pass in uh, over a month. Uh, so I, I think Microsoft are doing something right, but it's not their games, I think, is what doesn't but, feel as special. When Sony hits it out of the park, it's because they have these Bloodborns, Horizons, uh, even, like you said, Days Gone. E- even Days Gone. I think, yeah, I think Microsoft will get there. They They need to build up, which is what Sony did at the end of the PS3 cycle. They got a lot of good studios, and it's what Microsoft is building towards now. They just need to, you know, hit it out the park next E3, which I think, I feel, is what we were everyone was saying at the end of last E3 as well. Oh, they did quite well, and they're building up to it. Next E3, they need to come out and show it, yeah. and they didn't do it I this year. I think maybe what they could have done with more is... They've got all those studios that are obviously working on something. They maybe could have done with a couple more CG trailers of, mm. like you said, Fable. Like if they came out with a CG yeah. of like a hill rolling and over and showing Albion, that would have been enough. And people have been like, because look at the Sony one. 
all those years ago where Sony did ev- like build the list and they showed all those games, quite a few of which are still like nowhere to be seen. And it's like because they knocked out of the park with just hyping stuff and did a really good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. They did, yeah. And as as for example, uh, initi- the initiative is it? Who or no? Sorry, not the initiative. Compulsive Games. Who did we have yeah. a few? As much as that game frustrates me and infuriates <laughs> me, I can't Still wait to see good. what they do next yeah. because with a budget. Because I wanted to love yeah. that game, but it, was, it just had so many technical problems. Yeah. Um. I I'm just looking forward to seeing if they can improve on it next time, and I'm sure we'll get a glimpse next time. But I feel like we said the same last year. Yeah. Well, we'll see. No, it was it we was will. it was definitely a, a a conference of services and yeah, yeah. yeah like X Cloud and Game Pass, and as like as a, a Game Pass customer and someone who thinks that Game Pass is like the best value in games at the moment possibly ever like the amount just the sheer amount of games you can get for uh less than a netflix subscription uh Mm -hmm. is ridiculous and so like as as much as i would have liked to have seen like new first like they've spent all these years acquiring studios and most of them are still going to be working on stuff like they didn't have that much new original ip to show off uh as an game pass subscriber just seeing the sheer number of games are like here's this cool looking game it's coming to game pass here's this other cool game it's coming to game pass um yeah really happy about that yeah yeah well thank you very much for joining me guys it's been a pleasure as always Mm -hmm. um if anybody listening wants to find more of our stuff you can find us at laps gamer on twitter and also we have our youtube channel I believe the latest video, Mark, was you playing some uh, Monster Hunter with old Colin from Last Safe Loaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I... Did he record it in his kitchen? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. No, I uh, oh I put a disclaimer at the beginning. Um, I forgot to tell I forgot to tell uh, my recording uh, capture software to uh, use my good microphone, so it recorded all of my audio on the horrible tinny inbuilt microphone on oh, my laptop. Wow. So it sounds garbage. Yeah. But anyway, um, are you going to be joining Colin for more Monster Hunter? He's been pestering me on Twitter today, so probably. Yeah. Okay. And you've got your other ongoing series with our friend Connor from, um, oh, what the hell is his podcast called that's disappeared? Joypad for me. That's it. Yeah. Connor from Joypad for me. You've got your fortnightly fisticuffs with him as well. Yes, so we're going to be playing some of the the free version of uh, Dead or Alive Six. Oh or seven nice. or whatever it is now the core fighters the free to play one we're going to be um, cool. playing some of that soon hello there it's me the human resources robot adam's recording cut off here so just to fill you in he said you're all a bunch of bastards and if you'd like to let us know what you thought of E3 this year, then you can tweet us at LapsedGamer, or email us at LapsedGamerRadio at gmail.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>